episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. This is a special episode. That's right. It is our special Halloween episode. And it is also our 40th episode. 40th episode. Holy moly, guys. Holy moly. Seriously. Holy moly. I was a young man when we started this. And now you're old as shit. Now I'm old. I'm a guy. Yeah. But anyway, we Where are my clothes? Wait, 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 wait. He just said he was a young man starting this? Right. Yeah. My yeah. That's a Sprite. Yeah. Sprite. Tavia's <laughs> not over there making no. margaritas. It's completely normal to have salt on Sprite. Yeah. 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 Oh, it is, man. actually. It's pretty good. This is going to be an epic show, guys. We have three guests coming on. Oh, my gosh. Three. 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 Jeffrey Cantor, Billy Ray, and our forever guest, the one and only, Becca Kennedy. Yes. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I feel like Rebecca is going to deliver, too. She's got her five scary movies. Yes. Yeah. Five, four movies. For our top uh, five. Let's dive into some industry news. All right, all right. let's do it. Let's do it. Freaking I'm gonna lead in because I don't think I can die. No, okay, yeah, be careful. All right, Star Trek becoming an animated series. Comedy. Yeah, a I thought comedy animated series. Okay, what comedy would be about? different. Look, they already did an animated version. They even have Kurt and them <laughs> as an animated series. They do. I, I yeah. do think that Will Bill, Bill Shatner should voice something. Bill Shatner? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. Do people even want this right now? Like, is the Star Trek Trekkies? Is that what they're called? The Trekkers. Trekkers. Trekkies. What Trekkers? Yeah, do they want this? Truckers. Do they want this? I, I don't know. And like comedy, like yeah. part of the the charm of the Isn't original that the Star Trek was that it was go. comedic but not supposed to be. Right. Right. Isn't that so, what the Orville is really? That's what the yeah, yeah. the Orville is yeah. the comedy version of Star Trek. We already went there. It's pretty exactly. pretty identical. I don't even know if it's doing that well because I don't even know if it's coming back or not. Well, Orville's coming back, comes back in the. Oh okay. So you think they're just trying to get new audiences? Like yeah, and like, or are they they trying to do the CBS All Access like Saturday morning block? Like, why do we need a cartoon for right. Star Trek? We don't. Exactly. Is it gonna have a laugh? I want them to bring back Saturday morning cartoons. So. Oh, I was, uh, well, that's what I miss. Saturday morning block. That would be great. Yeah. Waking up with a bowl of cereal and watching cartoons. All yeah. Is it going to have a laugh track like Scooby Doo did? I always wondered about that. It's like, how does a cartoon have a laugh track? Yeah. Like, they have studio I like everything at that time period had a laugh track at yeah. some point or another for some reason. That's because everybody was so fucked up they didn't know when to laugh. Yeah. So they had to like, give you a like clue. Like, laugh not. Meanwhile, meanwhile, speaking of drugs, Wiz Khalifa. Is set to be in an animated series on Fox. Speaking of drugs and animated and animated yeah. series, yeah, double whammy transition. Yeah, I just think this is awesome. I know I've said this before. How musicians, rappers in particularly, just get into the TV series slash film game because yeah. it's just awesome to see them venture out and do more than what they started with. Well, I'm a huge fan of Rashida Jones, Yeah. yeah. so I think if she's involved, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Maybe for uh, Amy there as well. Yeah, she's from uh, Parks and Rec. Right 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 right. They're both yeah. from Parks and Rec. They're both yeah, from Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's how we ethic. Yeah. So, yeah. We shall see how that's going to go. It's like Wiz Khalifa does Parks and Rec. It's yes. Gonna be <laughs> like, he's pretty funny. He he had that one uh, one movie with Snoop Dogg, yeah. High School, and that was a couple, so yeah. we shall see how that goes. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to have to film in California. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. Colorado. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah. Let's talk Megyn Kelly. Okay. All right. Megyn yeah. Kelly, 
out at NBC. Yeah. Why? Why? Because she made an inappropriate comment about blackface oh. for Halloween, um, implying that it somehow was okay and not offensive or not racist for white people to paint themselves with blackface. Um, Just because people used to do it in the past. Exactly. And what her idea was for why it's, it's okay because it's a costume and you're not actually trying to fit anybody, you're just trying to be something different for Halloween, even though obviously blackface is associated with a lot of racism. Not just for the, you know, trying to make yourself look different, but right. for the types of portrayals of African-American people that were done in blackface. It's not just what the way they look, but how they acted. And how they act, yeah. It's, yes. There's so much more behind why it's racist than just your face is black. Right. And then and then she tried to make, she just continued to make it worse by saying that it's completely okay if a black person wanted to paint their face white and go, as, I'm like, what? No. So she just, she just is clueless. Yeah. She tried to make an apology. The apology was even worse than the original statement I thought so NBC has decided to no longer air her show mm -hmm. they are currently working on an exit package for her because she has a 69 million dollar contract um, and so they're trying to negotiate how much of that she's still gonna get and how long she has to stay off the air before she can go to a competitor. My question is, who's going to hire her? Right. Like, at, at least not right now. I mean, I wouldn't touch her. Did, did she walk away from Fox News? Did they fire her? No, she, no, she, she walked, walked away, away when her contract was up. Yeah. yeah. Well, think she, she got offered better money at CVS. And I was thinking, yeah. Fox, Fox News has been like, we have, uh, are we were very comfortable with the family of uh, people we have working for us right now. Yeah, I'm not That's sure. That's saying we don't want you anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure they want her back. So, yeah. I mean, she's toxic now. Yes, and yes, she did it to herself. Yeah. So I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? I wouldn't want to watch it. Did you? Did you say clueless? Clueless. That's right. Yeah. Clueless. Clueless. Uh, <laughs> speaking of that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, remake. There is another reboot, guys. Clueless. Uh, kind of why? 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 Yeah, that's, that's yeah. That's not gonna be one that's gonna be easy to, to redo because it's yeah. such a cult like Seriously. favorite. It was done so well the first time. Yeah. And they'll like, be talking about all the clueless snowflakes. <gasps> oh. oh. Man. I guess no. Stacey Dash is going to be in it then. <laughs> Ouch. Speaking of Fox News. <laughs> to me, if they maybe, the only time remakes really work is if you do it really, really well and in a different way. And I'm going to bring up a different remake really quick just in case y'all haven't seen it. But Sabrina the Teenage Witch, have y'all, any of yeah. y'all seen that? On Netflix. The free have not watched it yet, but yeah, it's going it's dark. It's actually really good and it's different and it brings in new elements. So it's kind of familiar, but it's really its whole own thing. With cool is working, you can can you go dark with uh, that? You like, can. Like, what can you, you do can. with it that's different? You've opened up a can of worms, though, because we've had this discussion, and there's, I think it's like going around a lot with the Sabrina. Well, I love the idea of the new Sabrina and it being darker and kind of in that in that world. Um, a lot of people, myself included, and I know uh, Lil' Cam and, and J-Lo, uh, they fucked up this season of Riverdale by trying to introduce all the witchcraft oh, crazy yeah. shit. Just to set up Sabrina. You know, I was wondering about that because they actually mentioned Riverdale. Once well, there's going to the be show. a crossover yeah. eventually, but yeah. to try to introduce all of the world all to Sabrina, yeah. they're like totally going just way the yeah. fuck yeah. off track yeah. on yeah. Riverdale. Yeah. It's like Seriously. what? That I mean, I can see that. I didn't really know because I haven't watched Riverdale, so right. I didn't really know. Yeah. All it was is I heard one like the high school kids mention to Sabrina or whatever. He's like, "Oh, do you guys go to Riverdale?" And I was like, "Oh, they mentioned it." Yeah. Oh, but that was all. That's all they did on on there. Yeah. Right. No, they're gonna. But they're like into like weird satanic cult yeah. shit on Riverdale. It's like, like what are you doing? Playing a game that's like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Shit and it's like, and then why do they always have to vilify D and D? 
Yeah. Like, what has D&D done to anybody? So, anyway, Robert De Niro (laughs) receiving a suspicious package like every other Democrat. Yeah. Shit is crazy. But he came out with a statement saying, your your vote is more powerful than their bomb. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And we've been talking about this for several weeks now. Uh, The midterm election's coming up. Uh, It's going to be a big big vote. Yeah. He's, I mean, and so anybody not familiar with this, um, some psychopath uh, full of hate decided it, and he, steroids. it was, it was going to be a good idea no to mail off pipe bombs. He was a D, he was a DJ at a, at a strip club. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't a stripper. Uh, actually, he was yeah. the guy. Was, <laughs> the guy, I actually know a guy who knows him. That's crazy. Oh my god! But anyway, but anyway he, he lives in the van. He now sent, sent off yeah. pipe bombs to prominent Democrats yeah. and or people who have been outspoken against Trump. Now it ended up, I want to say, being twelve. But apparently, the FBI, while investigating and following up, found a list, and he had more than a hundred people on the list that he was yeah. planning on sending these bombs wow. too. Yeah, he had um, now, um, uh, what, the uh, documentary filmmaker Michael Moore's yeah. picture on his van yeah, with right. a crosshair twigger on his chest. Yeah. Now, now, thankfully, he was an idiot <laughs> and didn't know how to make bombs yeah. because none of them blew up, yeah. thankfully. Well, like, um, the FBI said they were fully working. Yeah, they just didn't, didn't because yeah. he was an idiot. <laughs> yeah. That's good, though. I mean, regardless of what side you fall politically or what you think about Trump or not or anything, I mean, nobody deserves to get blown yeah. up. No. This guy is a psychopath. He's full of hate. He's part of the problem, not the solution. Yeah. The solution is voting. You don't like Trump, go vote. You you know, change Congress. Let's say, you know, shift it, do whatever you got to do. But that's how you do it. Yeah. You don't blow people up. Yeah. You don't shoot people. Actually, you don't, there's you don't... One, one thing that was I took a, a took a takeaway from that. The one thing I wish he would got charged for, because he got charged for um, um, moving uh, explosive material through the mail right. and um, all that. He should get charged for every mail handler that touched his right. package. Yes, yes, every yes. light package yeah. went on. Every yeah. truck could have put all those people in danger. All those people in danger. Counts. <laughs> yeah. He did also get charged with threatening former presidents. He threatening former yeah. presidents and um, um, threatening to do bodily harm against uh, federal officials right. was the big charges. And he has a lot of time, but any one of those bombs could have been dropped or mishandled. Right. Something could have happened right. because the the material he was using could have been done by pressure, temperature, or ignition. And the fact that it, you know Robert De Niro was a target, it just... It, it kind of goes to with what we've been talking about with several of our guests over the last few weeks. You know, I, I think that a lot of people in that position, a, a celebrity, if you will, and they use that platform to, to speak about their beliefs and how and how they do, unfortunately, make themselves targets for nut jobs like this guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, you should be able to express how you feel and put your thoughts out there and not have to be yeah, worried about somebody. Isn't there some paperwork that's gonna, like uh, guaranteed that we have that right to exactly. express ourselves yeah. and our opinions? Exactly. And, you know, speaking of, I mean, we, we have to touch on it. And God bless all the people in Pittsburgh going through oh, it and everything man, with the shooting. So you know? It was like over a 72-hour span. Yeah. We had a shooting, you know, a race, uh, racial shooting. Um, the black people killed in, um, in a Kroger. Yeah. And then you had the pipe bombs sent out everywhere. And then, of course, the t- uh, 11 or 12 people killed yeah. in Pittsburgh at the synagogue. I mean, that's a disturbing 72 yeah, hours of hate you know, and and again, I can't say enough. Regardless of how you think politically or what your beliefs are, yeah. hate isn't okay. Yeah. You Seriously. know, gun violence not okay. You know, Second Amendment doesn't mean you can just shoot people whenever you want to. Right. That's not what it means. And uh, just we got to do something. Go vote. Go really vote. Do. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and Go you vote. know, 
So anyway, right. let's bring it back up. Um, well, this isn't that much happier because well, I just read on this Star with this bit. I'm I'm trying. Oh, oh man, man. Star Wars Boba Fett that spinoff movie <clears throat> that we've all been waiting for. That's right. Yeah. That's I've been waiting for that since he went to a Sarlacc pit. Like oh man. Yeah, and I'm really upset about this because it was going to be James Mangold. Yeah, like freaking from Logan. Yeah, and and I mean, and walk the line, and like yeah. so many epic films, I just kind of was like really they were, trying to, they were trying to set this up with the uh, the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I mean, really oh my gosh, it would have oh, been epic. Yeah, or maybe not Phantom Menace, but definitely Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. To, so. I don't. I still think they don't. They shouldn't rule these out and just use them as original movies for their streaming service. for the streaming yeah, service. Exactly. exactly, like the solo movie that should have just been like their first film on the streaming service. Right. Made, probably and yeah, honestly, like, could you do little mini projects? Yeah. Like, don't even have to be full features. Exactly. You can just do it as a short, short film or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, would it help and make you feel better if I sing the Boba Fett song? Do it. Yes. Oh, from <laughs> from MC Chris. I think so. Do it. I'm Boba the Fett. My backpack has just my bounty hut for a job of the hut to finance my bet. Oh, wicked, wicked, wicked. Nice. Yeah. When is that? When is that, that uh, mixtape dropping? By the way, oh that's I'm telling you that she's like. Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, I think Brad, MC Chris is coming through uh, Mobile or New Orleans here soon. Oh, actually, yeah. so, so, yeah. that was pretty epic. I'm yeah, not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. Pretty epic. Chris, that's funny as shit. Yeah, bravo. No, it did make Chris feel better. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. I, I, I wanted yeah. to see tears. I thought it was gonna be sad. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the boat with that song. Right. I want to see mascara running. I thought it was yeah. oh, sad. Oh, no, no. Well, well not I, now. I don't, think I, have any, I don't think I have any mascara. Oh, okay, I'm really oh, excited she... about this next one. Okay, yeah. Catherine Langford, because huge Langford. fan from Thirteen Reasons Why. Yeah. Super stoked. Um, if you saw, um, I mean, she was she was in um Love Simon. Just a bunch of different things over the last uh, year or so. Yeah, she's, um, she's going to be in Avengers 4. Yeah. Uh, top secret, of course. They're trying to keep it under wraps of who she's going to yeah, play. I have my good. theories. Mm. Um, but she's a phenomenal actress. Wait, wait, wait. Is it, is it an S and a G? No. No. It's no? a K and a B. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, okay. Well, the one issue that I have, though, let's go into the, the, the next couple stories just to kind of do this. Marvel and the Russo, much to the Russo brothers' chagrin, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, are just like spoiling shit left and right. Yeah. They now everybody they've been building for like. Are you sure like they're spoiling it or just like? No, it's spoilers because people who don't know comic books, yeah. they're they're spoiling shit. Yeah. But they've been building for like ever that you know Cap's going away. Well, everybody who does read comic books knows that the yeah. progression is either Falcon or Winter Soldier picks up the shield. Takes up well now. They just announced that they're getting their own series on the new Disney streaming service, so they're not going to be picking up the shield. Yeah. Uh, clearly, uh, unless so, unless that's what the series. Yeah, maybe do. it's a setup too. The them doing mm. the shield. They did. Job. They did say it would be a limited series, so it could be a potential it setup. Could be the battle for the, the shield. shield. Yeah. It could be. They also announced that Vision would be joining Scarlet Witch, so now we know Vision survived because, as everybody knows, who's seen yeah, he was, Infinity uh, War, mm-hmm. he, he was one of the victims. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, they, they, well, Set up in the movie that how he's gonna survive. Wait a second, of. like I don't think he was laid out and he he was not no, um, moving, um, but he wasn't one of the people who Black Black went the dust. sister was working on a way to she was uh, working to, on a way to separate him. Yeah. yeah, so she might have been successful, but then what's his name came up for the album anyway. Yeah. Right. This is my theory. I think that Catherine Langford is gonna play Hawkeye. Gabe Bishop. 
And I think that they're setting up the Young Avengers. Thank you for all of our non-comic book listeners who have no idea what you're talking about. Like seriously. What? Know, oh I'm no, I was, I was. Just explain thinking. to them like who that is because yeah. they have no idea. They just hear <laughs> the name like shout it out. Yeah. They're like, who the fuck is he saying? Like, uh, just say Hawkeye. Well, I, I just thought is the name of the of, of his protege. There you go. No, okay. Okay. okay, there you go. So well, yeah, yeah. Hawkeye's going protege. with um maybe we would see Squirrel Girl since they bring Miss Marvel out, one of the most powerful. Well, I think Squirrel, Squirrel Girl will be really powerful too. I think Squirrel Girl is going to be uh, television. I think she's going to be interesting. She's going to run uh, the the Runaways and Cloak and Dagger are doing so huge right now. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all if you see Squirrel Girl enter into that. Uh, universe. Yeah, Even for the minds, like he's foaming at the mouth to see Squirrel Girl on screen. But yeah. they are setting up the Young Avengers. I think we're going to see Riri, um, who is uh, Tony Stark's protege, yeah. a young female who takes over uh, the Iron Man armor. Uh, they're setting up uh, Hawkeye's protege to take over as Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see, the rumor is anyway, a female Captain America takeover. So if indeed this is going to be a, a limited series for the battle for the shield yeah. in the meantime, Maybe we're going to see. They've already kind of hinted that Cassie from Ant-Man is going to step up and, and take over and take that role. Yeah. So I think they're set. How do you continue the Avengers on when you take them out of the movies? Yeah. You you bring forth the, the young Avengers, yeah. and then you put all of the older characters on TV so that you can continue yeah. their stories, but keep it fresh in the yeah. cinematic yeah. universe. And I still feel like that opens the old Avengers up to just pop in in the movies. Sure, uh, to mentor or exactly. continue to do, yeah, whenever they exactly. want it. That's my theory. That's what I think is going on. They're trying to set that up. Um, I think it would be brilliant if they do do that, but, you know, yeah. Kevin, come on, show up. Yeah. If they do do. <laughs> That's so shitty that uh, you would bring that up. Uh, okay, uh, alright, yeah. You know what else is going to be shitty? Deadpool, transition because super troopers 2 yeah yeah weed leads are the answer going straight into mike iron mike i guess we're going to call him weed mike now (laughs) (laughs) so is that what that that thing on the side of his uh the tattoo on the side of his head is i I don't know weed reference i I think we we all ask him because we're trying to get yeah we are trying we are trying we reached out to mike yeah because i want to talk about this i want to talk about this this series of him based uh, on a marijuana farm. Yeah, it would be amazing. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what a great crossover would be? Mike Tyson sold weed to the uh, store Kevin Smith's working at in his show. That would be See? hilarious. That would be hilarious. Yes, but that's yeah, TV comedy. I'm, this is going to be crazy. He's Jill, uh, Jason here has a question, huh? Jason, Jason. Well, what do you got? What do you got? I just said that's ludicrous. Ludicrous. I thought you said he had a question. Sorry. Yeah, I think. Here under the mask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all kidding aside, I think that he's really kind of turned things around. Yeah. He's found a little niche of being Mike Tyson. Yeah. And it's working for him. Yeah, it is. Um, I think. Then you go watch Adult yes. Swim and saw his animated series. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> one exactly. season. Yeah. But I mean, come on, we can talk to him about the uh, obviously the boxing career, but then how he has kind of turned things yeah, around seriously. and went through this little turnaround. And I'm excited yeah. for the show. I think he's hilarious, yeah, man. So obviously. that's right. It's gonna be pretty funny. I mean, we like like I I brought this up before, but I we know somebody who interviewed him a little bit back when he was doing his one man show. And he just made this quote that has stuck with me because it's like the most ridiculous quote ever, but it's funny as shit. He, he told the person who was interviewing him, if he was a few years stupider, he would be Superman again. Like, what? He literally, now picture Mike Tyson saying oh. it. Like, if I was a few years stupider, I'd be Superman again. Superman again. Like, what? <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm hoping what he meant is that he if he could rethink things and he didn't take the dive and do all the stuff and he had stayed undefeated, yeah. still beating the crap out of people, he'd be Superman again. And he didn't but, throw his yeah. wife down the stairs. So yeah, 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 and all that. My brain is stuck on that. And I'm like, it's it's sure why. It's no, I can't process yeah. that. Or did that happen? We don't know. Yeah. I mean, that there was a big dispute going on about that with the money and she was trying to take all of his money and i mean she did get a big chunk of that money of robin gibbons know, who's on riverdale oh yeah Bullshit. she's the the, the mayor really yeah so, iron well, mike's former ex connected. it's all connected <laughs> everything is connected yeah. in riverdale it is. yeah oh my yeah gosh. greg berlanti has a master plan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know who might also pop up on riverdale not likely but mike medina Medea. Not, not really. No. no. Oh. <laughs> you just it, it was just a bad segue. Well, I, I says, like, Robin Gibbons ever been in the Tyler Perry movie? Uh, like, he's, he's saying it's time. It's time to retire that old bitch. His words, not mine. Well, it's yeah, because yeah. he kind of kind of got enough out of the well. He uh, made the well dry a little bit. It's been kind of... Yeah. He's been playing that character a long-ass time. He has. So... He has. So, he has. I can understand that. I mean, if you're a creative person, eventually you want to move on to something else. Yeah, you know? exactly. And you can only well, we were talking about space. how uh, how successful his studios are in Atlanta. Yeah. And he's starting to do these, like, scary movies and these dramas. So, his his head is obviously... Well, and he took over the Morgan, uh, the Morgan Freeman role, remember? Oh, yeah. Kiss Alex, the, Kiss the Girls. And, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. Alex Ross, yeah. So, he's got, I mean, stuff. And, like, like I said, even when he's not working, yeah. he's just bankrolling because everybody's using his studios in yeah, Atlanta. Exactly. He owns several studios in Atlanta. So, I mean, he's this guy, remember, not, you know, what, just a little over a decade ago, is living in his station wagon, Seriously. homeless and living in his station wagon. Talk about, you know, the ultimate success story. Yeah, and, you know, that's the way to do it. Take it while the character is still on top. Yeah. Don't don't retire the character because it needed to be retired because exactly. nobody's watching nobody's anymore. Watching it. You know, um, so good for him. Yeah. And I can see him making the transition into a lot of different type yeah. genres of, of film and everything. He's a talented guy. So. All right, it is time to talk to the one and only Billy Ray. You might know him from being the writer from The Hunger Games, Academy Award nominated screenplay, Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks. Oh my god goodness and freaking the creator and writer of the last tycoon i'm excited as hell to talk to him about the last tycoon hell yeah dude! i just i absolutely i'm an old school hollywood guy i love that show so i'm excited all right hell yeah let's give him a call let's do it let's do it oh uh hi is this mr ray it's billy yeah hey billy how are you today Okay, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty good, man. First of all, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Yes, we really seriously. appreciate you taking oh, the time to chat. My pleasure. 
Oh, absolutely. So we're really excited, man. We, we've got a lot to talk to you about. We know you got a project coming out next week and got the new Terminator movie and, and the that's, James Comey stuff and just a lot of stuff to talk to you about. So we're really excited about this one. Fire away. All right. <laughs> well, what we like to do, we kind of just, it's instead of a straight up Q&A, it's just kind of a conversational people sitting around the table chatting type thing. And we always like to start okay. off... Um, Letting our our uh, listeners kind of get a little bit of background on you and how you got started in the industry and was it something sure. you always had kind of wanted to do or was it something you fell into? So let's go ahead and kind of start there and how it all began for you. Okay. Um, well, I grew up around it because my father was a literary agent and represented some great screenwriters like Alvin Sargent, Frank Pearson. Oh, wow. Those kind of people. Right. Uh, Paul Pickman, Peter Bogdanovich. Wow. Anyway... Um, I, I grew up with my mother. My parents were divorced, but I was I was always aware of it, um, and always had a great admiration for screenwriting as a as a craft. Um, the first thing I ever sold was when I was nineteen. I sold an episode of The Jetsons. Wow, nineteen! Uh, <laughs> while I was still in college, which made me sort of a hero in my fraternity. I bet. Um, and when I finished school, I went to work for these two TV movie producers uh, uh, at their Gopher, um, and wrote at night. And I did that for three years. And it got to the point where I was doing so much work for them that the only night I had available to write was Sunday night. Um, but while my friends were going out, you know, getting drunk and, and trying to get laid, I was staring at a wall <laughs> writing. And I wrote right. uh, two novels that I couldn't sell. And then I wrote a screenplay that I couldn't sell. And then I wrote five more drafts of it and finally sold it. Uh, and it wasn't even enough money that I could quit my job. Wow. But it was enough. Uh, but it, it did give me the opportunity to say I'm now a professional screenwriter because I had sold a script. And with that, I walked into 20th Century Fox and sold my first studio pitch, um, which then was enough money for me to quit my job and, and be a screenwriter. Right. Wow. Um, and, and I've been making a living at it ever since. That was January 8th, 1988. Wow. wow. And, and that did, you know, I've been hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Um, my career for the first... Uh, 11 or so years was really an embarrassment to me. Um, the movies that were getting made uh, that I had written didn't feel like mine, and I wasn't proud of any of them. And the scripts that I had written that I was proud of weren't getting made. And, you know, if you would have looked at uh, an IMDb page in 2001 and looked up the name Billy Ray, you would have come to the conclusion that that was a lousy screenwriter. Wow. Um, and it was a very, very painful reality for me. <clears throat> well, it didn't change... Uh, it didn't change until I directed for the first time. There was a, a little movie called Shattered Glass that I, I wrote and directed, right. and that changed my career profoundly. And that was, that was the one the based time. on the uh, the true story, correct? Yeah, about Stephen Glass at the right. New Republic magazine. And it remains a movie for which I have great fondness. But that was the first time I ever stood in front of a movie and said, this is what I'm capable of. I wrote this, I directed it, this one, this, this, this is something that I can take the bullets for if you don't like it. Right. But it turned out people did, and, and, and that put my career on a different trajectory. Awesome. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, because we do have a lot of young listeners who are aspiring to get into the industry in all different aspects of it, uh, acting, writing, you know, producing in front of the camera, behind the camera, below the line, above the line. Um, writing, I think a lot of times, I, I, I love that you brought that up, because, I mean, just because you sell a screenplay doesn't mean, first of all, it'll ever get made, or right. if it does right. get made, like you said, it's 
not made as the movie you wrote. So, right. let, let, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit, that process and, and what that's like. I mean, it, it must be difficult to see something that you painstakingly worked on and then put into the hands of somebody else's vision, and it's just not even where you intended it to go. Um, is, is that disheartening? And, I mean, is that what led you to – you? Ha- do you feel, I guess, now like um, you need to direct in order to keep cre- no. creative control of what you write? No, and, and – um And I don't actually believe in creative control. Uh, This is the most collaborative medium in the world. And to do it, unless you have $100 million to make the movie, you're going to need partners. At the very least, you're going to need someone to pay for it. Right. Um, You're going to need another $50 million to market it, to open it. So you better know how to work with people. Um, and, and, you know, I've never had Final Cut, and I don't really want Final Cut. I like getting input from other people. It helps me make my scripts better, and it helps me make my movies better. But the difference is, when you're starting out as a writer, you discover very quickly that it's a director's medium, and that director can replace you. And once you are replaced, and someone else comes in to rewrite you, there's just nothing you can do about it. Right. Uh, the movie's not yours anymore. Right. Um, you, you know... I, uh, uh, and, and that has happened to me, you know, it happened in, in uh, the earlier stages of my career. Uh, it happened a couple times, and yeah, very, very painful. Um, you know, when, when there's a movie coming out and your name is on it, and yet you know there's not a line of yours in it. Right. Um, you, you know, you just want to move to Finland for a couple of weeks. Just to, <laughs> yeah. You know, just to get out of the way of the bombs you know are coming your way. Right. Um, and and that's a really really tough stretch for any writer to go through. So okay, so how did you how did you work your way through it? Because it is an industry that's tough, um, and and you have to have thick skin and you have to be able to take rejection. Um, how did you work through it? How, the the first time you had that happen to you, how does it not make you want to just turn around and go, okay, I am going to go flee somewhere and maybe this isn't for me? How did you? How were you able to work through it? What kind of advice would you give to somebody that is thinking, well, I just can't do this? Okay. Um, the easiest advice is if you can be happy doing something else, go do it because in this business, you're going to be surrounded by people who cannot be happy doing anything else. And they are going to chew through you like a Pac-Man. The reason that people hang on in the business is because there's an inevitability to it. It never occurred to me to go do anything else. I mean, there was a moment early in my career where I was getting beat up pretty regularly where I, I, I would joke to my wife, you know, I think I'm going to go become a fireman. <laughs> because at the end of the day, maybe I'll help somebody. Maybe I'll save a cat out of a tree or do something. I'm not contributing to society in any way right now. Right. And she very lovingly and jokingly went out and bought me a fireman's hat. But we both knew I wasn't going anywhere. This was, it's the difference between a job and a calling. If oh, you are a writer, that's your calling. You can't do anything else. So you better figure out a way to uh, thicken your skin and and learn to take the punches and and get better at your job so that so that the the pain becomes somewhat balanced by uh, by the joy well wow that that I brilliantly said sir brilliantly said um man that's just outstanding I love the realism and I love the fact that the wife bought you a fire hat that's yeah, hilarious that was, that's <laughs> awesome. that, we yeah, are that's... so married and I'm very very lucky to have her you well, can't right? go three weeks without writing oh yeah uh, without missing it yeah right if you can go three weeks without writing and it doesn't feel like something's wrong you're probably not a writer they, they, <laughs> brilliant 
brilliant. I, I feel that same way about anything in this industry. If you can go any kind of a stretch and, and not feel like you missed it, that wow, that is, yeah, perfectly well, said. Well, I'll tell you why, cause, and that may seem unfair to people, but remember, the difference between writers and everyone else in the business, and I mean literally everyone else in the business, is that writers are the only people who don't have to be allowed to do their job. Mm. You can't direct unless someone lets you. You can't act unless someone hires you. You can't go paint a set unless you're on a crew. But any writer in the world can sit down and write. No one has to allow you to do it. So any moment that you're not writing, that is a voluntary decision. Exactly. That is well said. Um, well, it's it's obviously worked out immensely well for you. Like you said, you have your ups and downs, and I mean, everybody in this industry does, and there are stretches where you're going to hit and stretches where you're not. But I mean, the right. list of credits that you have is just in, insane. It's, I mean, everything from The Hunger Games, I mean, Break Up Girl, Overlord, which is coming out, um, Color of Night, like Volcano, just in We immense... never talk about Color of Night or Volcano, yeah. ever. <laughs> I was going to ask if those are either, either ones that weren't the ones that you... No, no, no. Yeah. No, we yeah. don't. <laughs> so, volcano oh. is the V word, and um, and color of night I've never even seen. Oh, well, there you go, there you go. That was the one that made me want to move to Finland. I, wow, I had a oh, feeling man. that was yeah. one. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, that's but happy to talk about Captain Phillips. Oh, happy yeah. to talk about uh, uh, the upcoming Gemini Man, or or the upcoming Terminator, or oh, absolutely, Tycoon. Yeah, uh, yeah, so many of them. Um, Terminator 6, uh, which is basically what it is, Terminator 6. Um, we're all super Great, excited okay. about that. Yeah, um, I mean, we've got a lot of returning people for this film. Um, mm-hmm. how, how did that come about? How did you Now, were you brought on to actually write the screenplay or were, to rewrite the screenplay? What's your process and role in that? Okay, the, the history of that is uh, a year before I showed up, there was a writer's room. And the writer's room was convened by the studio, Skydance, that was reinventing the Terminator um, a- a- as, as a... Uh, franchise. Yeah, as a franchise. Thank you. Um, and they put together a bunch of people in a room who mapped out three movies. And then two of those writers were assigned to write the first one. While that was happening, I was working on another movie for Skydance. Um, called Gemini Man, which uh, Ang Lee just wrapped with mm-hmm. uh, with Will, Will Smith. Smith yeah. right. And they were happy with the work I had done on Gemini Man. And so when the first Terminator script <clears throat> came in and there were some issues that needed to be adjusted, um, they asked me to come aboard. And um, I'll be honest with you, that wound up being so much more fun than I thought it would I was I was completely intrigued by it because I love the franchise. I think um, the first two Terminator movies, particularly the second one, just seminal. And um, and so yeah, of course I'm going to go take that meeting and see what they have in mind. But once I actually sat down and and wrote the words Sarah Connor and started writing her, I just went to a different level. I mean, it just it was just a blast, and um, I didn't anticipate that. And I've been working on it for, oh gosh, I, I guess about a year. And I think they have a week or two left of shooting. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really excited. Very, very encouraged. 
Good. I, I think a lot of people are. I think I think everybody's excited to see Linda Hamilton back, Sarah Connor back, and and I, I think it's going to do well. What they just recently announced it when it was going to be released. Um, yep. So yeah, pretty pumped about that one. We're really excited about it um, as well. And, you know, look, you can learn a lot sitting in a room with Jim Cameron. I bet you can. Yeah. Um, and you can learn a lot sitting in a room with Tim Miller. And I got to do both sometimes at the same time. And uh, great, great experience. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about Captain Phillips, nominated for an Academy Award for Captain Phillips. Thank you. Yep, a fantastic film yeah. uh, from start to finish. Um, how did that come about, and what was that like working with that team? Okay, um, that was a very different circumstance. Uh, I've been um, at the game of screenwriting for long enough, and I've worked myself into the sort of position where I very happily, very luckily, um, most times that people offer me material they offer it to me exclusively. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, someone will send me a book and for a weekend I'm the only writer in town that's being offered the book. And I get to decide whether or not I want to pursue. It's a really lovely privilege to have, but I worked very hard uh, to attain. Uh, Captain Phillips was not that way. Captain Phillips uh, was happening, you know, on CNN in front of all of us. And Sony got the rights and Sony announced that for this movie, they weren't going out to any writer exclusively. It was going to be a beauty pageant. Anyone who wanted to come in and pitch a take on that movie was welcome to, but everyone was going to have to compete for the job. And I thought about that. There's a risk um, when you've been writing as long as I have, if you go compete for a job, you kind of have to make sure you get it because otherwise you've hurt yourself. You've hurt your brand as a writer. I hate to sound so mercenary, but it's true. So I really thought about that that script and that and that movie and i thought you know i've made a bunch of true stories i've I've made shattered glass i made breach those are true stories Mm -hmm. and here's another true story but this is the first true story i've ever come in contact with that actually lays out like an action movie the beats are action movie beats the structure of what actually happened is kind of a movie structure you never get that in real life you always have to doctor things to make true stories turn into movies. And so this became something that I thought was worth going and fighting for. Okay, so the next question is, how am I going to go convince them that I'm the right guy? Right. Um, so I thought, all right, what's the movie about? Well, on its, on its most basic DNA level, the movie, unfortunately, is about a white guy who gets kidnapped by four black guys, and three of them get their heads blown off. <laughs> that's true. That's absolutely and right. I thought, boy, I really don't want to write that. That really sounds like a bummer <laughs> right. to everybody. So I better figure out a way into the movie that isn't that. So I don't know what other writers said when they went into pitch, but when I went into pitch, I said, this is a movie about leadership. This is a movie about two captains who wake up on opposite sides of the globe and they both get dressed and they go to work and their work is going to put them on a collision course mm-hmm. where they are going to be thrown at each other at a, you know, 100 miles an hour. And what we are going to find out as a result of the tension between these two leaders, how they lead. We're going to find out that one would sacrifice himself to save his men mm-hmm. and the other would sacrifice his men to save himself. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're going to watch how these two men work on each other and change each other. That's what the movie's about. 
in, in a way, kind of humanize the, and the pirates. Well, I feel like the movie does an excellent job of that, showing both sides of the picture, right. which I think was necessary if you were going to have any kind of... Because you have to have an attachment to the bad guy as well. You have right. to. So, well, it, look, in any, in any movie, you want to dimensionalize all of your characters. Absolutely. Right? But especially your bad guys. Exactly. You want your bad guys to have a completely viable, defensible point of view. Yep. Um, because that's going to require more greatness out of your protagonist in order to defeat that person. Yep. Um, it's easy to knock over a, you know, a, a, a cardboard cutout of somebody. Um, for me, the essence of that movie and of that struggle between those two guys was actually um, uh, a moment that I planned before I had even sat down to write, which was I knew there was going to be a moment where Captain Phillips was going to be sitting with that other, uh, with the Somali pirate captain, Musi, who was going to talk about how he became a pirate because there was nowhere to fish anymore. And I knew Captain Phillips was going to say, there has to be something between fishing and kidnapping people. Right. And I knew that, that the Somali pirate was going to say, maybe in America, Irish, maybe in America. Right. And that was enough to build a whole screenplay around. That's, that's an amazing process. And, and, and interesting to hear because, uh, like you said, I don't think a lot of people realize what goes into it. It's great to get to a point where things are exclusively offered to you. And, and I loved your analogy of you better make sure you get this because you're going to hurt yourself if you don't right. Um, right. When, you, when you are into that position. So, yeah, it's an amazing story to hear, though, how, how – they basically just opened it up and say, okay, everybody come tell us your idea. And, and they were right to. Yeah. Um, and by the way, just a brief story about Paul Greengrass, who's a brilliant director and did a brilliant job and should have been nominated, just like Tom Hanks did what I thought was the best work of his career and also should have been nominated. Agreed. Paul is a really funny director to work with because his process is he needs to blow things up and then reconstruct them. That's just how his brain works. So you work with him for months to get it right down to the comma, and then he sends you a 60-page, single-spaced outline saying, here are all the changes that he should make in the screenplay. It's just what he does. He, he blows it up, and then he puts it back together. So we go through this process, and he's about a week from prep. He's about to go to Malta. And, and at that moment, he's in London, and we're on the phone. And we've got the script just how he likes it. And um, we're talking about this one particular line of dialogue, and Paul says this thing to me that I didn't realize uh, was quite as literal um, as I guessed at the time. And he said, well, I take dialogue to be something of a suggestion. Interesting. And I said, well, Paul, um, here are 120 pages of suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. And he went off and shot the movie. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> I take dialogue as a suggestion. That's uh, wow. That's got to be an yep. interesting thing to hear as a writer. Like, okay, um, <laughs> it was sobering. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So you got. On the other hand, I wound up in a tuxedo. So God bless Paul Green. There you go. There you go. Sounds like and you kind of won twice. You won the the contest to get the job, and yeah, absolutely. and you got a nomination for it. Yeah. Yeah, and probably yeah. deserve the win. Honestly, yeah. I mean, like you, you said, should have gotten it three times. I, I, I really, I really do think the film, the, Tom Hanks, like you said, I, I think that you should have gotten the win. It was just absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. I'll tell you why I disagree. Um, uh, because Twelve Years a Slave, which which won that yes. category, yes, is a far more important movie. Um, oh. It it spoke to something that needed to be said 
um, in a in a deeper way than our movie did, just by the very nature of what it was about. Sure. And um, I, I don't have any ill feelings about losing to that movie. Well. Uh, just because I think it was such an important part of a, of a national conversation. That Absolutely. Well, I can't argue with that. That's uh, you're you're humble, you're graceful, and 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 wow, yeah, I, I would not disagree with you on any point that you just made. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, that's and and much respect for you for being that way. Um, you are very active politically um, on social media, and uh, much respect for that as well. I think when people Thank reach you. a certain platform or and they they have the pedestal well, uh, to you know, the the politics. Are now taking about sixty percent of my day. Yeah, um, which uh, hopefully will change after November sixth. Um, it's you know I think anybody can tweet. That's not really difficult to do. But um, I've been doing a ton of fundraising. Yes, and 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 event organizing um, and working uh, with candidates. There's another writer uh, named Greg Hurwitz, who's a screenwriter and a novelist and a comic book writer. Um, and he and I have been working with individual House candidates mm-hmm. on messaging. We've worked with about 30 of them so far. And I've been writing for a bunch of those candidates, writing stump speeches for a bunch of Democratic House candidates, which I really love to do. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, I'm writing a speech this morning, and then this afternoon, a friend of mine ha- has asked me to come address her Girl Scout troop about the importance of voting. Wow. So <laughs> okay. that's that's my day, and yeah. uh, somewhere in there, I've got to find time to work on uh, the James Comey script, right. um, which I'm beyond excited about. But hopefully, after November sixth, some sanity has been restored to my country, and the Democrats once again have control of the House, and I can just go back to being a writer. Well, I I applaud you for the for the activism, and uh, and I applaud you for getting involved because I think engagement is one of the the, the serious problems um in this country, and and getting people engaged and talking and and voting and and getting behind an issue that it's so important. So I applaud you for the work that you do. Um and and thank you. Know, you. The truth is, um, I woke up the morning of November ninth, two thousand sixteen, uh, more frightened for my country than I was the morning after September 11th. And I don't mean to compare the two events. What I mean is that I woke up the morning after September 11th and said, okay, that was the scariest thing I've ever seen, but I know my country's going to come together. Right. And I know we probably got a little safer yesterday. Right. I woke up the morning of November 9th, 2016, and thought, I know my country's about to come apart, which it now has. And, um, and that election flattened me for weeks. And I never want to feel that way again. And I certainly never want to feel again that feeling of I could have done more. So whatever happens on November 6th, I will wake up on November 7th and say I left it on the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you you you, you brought it up, so let's kind of transition into it because I'm really excited about it as well. Um, the James Comey Project. And yep. uh, it's CBS, correct? It's going to be like a miniseries on CBS, and it's based on his book, right? Well, it'll be four hours, two nights. Okay. And it will be some combination, I'm not sure which, but some combination of CBS, CBS All Access, and Showtime. Okay. And that's all being worked out now. Okay. So, well, I'm excited about it. I mean, like you, you, you said, you've worked on so many true stories and, and, and true events in the past. And uh, I, I'm ex- I mean, what you did with the last tycoon and, and, and a, sort of a, a series of events and the, and the, de- I'm, I can't wait to see how you break this up into a two night event or, or the, the, 
the way that you're going to do it. And like I said, the, the activity in politics and an understanding of where Comey is coming from and what he's been through. I'm just thrilled it, to, that you've, you got the job and that you're going to be doing that. Well, I am too. And, and, and you know, it's a great privilege. Um, and getting to know him has been really exciting. Um, you know, I always wanted to write something about Trump. I always believed that the right way into the Trump story was, uh, was through Comey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea the guy was writing a book. I just always felt like if I ever got a shot at writing anything, it would be the Comey story. Right. Uh, and then one day I got a call from uh, Shane Salerno, who's a producer and a writer, and he said, do you want to do the Comey book? And, um, and of course, I read it overnight and said, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. And then uh, spent a couple months doing research, you know, flying to D.C. and a couple other places to meet some of the people who had lived that story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really nice things uh, about being in the position that I'm in is that I can take three months uh, where I'm not getting paid because we hadn't set it up yet. Right. Uh, and put in the kind of sweat equity that's necessary so that when I went to go pitch the Comey story, I knew what I was talking about. I had done the research. I had... 144 pages of research sitting in my computer. Oh, wow. And I could transfer that onto 70 index cards and go in and do a 41-minute pitch that was, you know, just complete. Um, What a blessing to be able to do that and have that kind of freedom. You know, most writers who are trying to make it paycheck to paycheck, they can't take three months off to get a pitch ready. Right. And, um, And so... I took advantage of that opportunity, and, and I'm glad I did. And and it's the first time we ever got a production commitment. Uh, first time I ever got a production commitment off a pitch wow. in my life. Well, well, congratulations. And um, like I said, I, I'm excited to see it. I can't wait until Thanks. it hits. And I think you're going to do it a great justice. I think you're going to do what it deserves and and tell the story the way it needs to be told. So congratulations on that. And I'm hoping Thanks. when it does hit and you get it all completed, you'll come back and talk about it because I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Um, Happy to. Uh, and okay, so let's talk a little bit about before I jump into the last tycoon. Let's talk a bit uh, about Overlord. Uh, yeah, it's coming out the uh, the uh, next weekend, correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about that one. How, how did okay. that come about? How uh, same um, type process? Overlord uh, was a movie that dropped into my head um, in I think 2009. It had never happened to me before, and it's never happened to me since. Um, literally, just an idea fell into my head. That was kind of a completely baked movie. And um, I thought, okay, I want to write this for a director, and I want to write this for a director who thinks like a writer. So I went to J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. whom I knew, and I pitched it to him and his company, and, and I said, okay, this is going to be either the shortest pitch you've ever heard or we're going to get to work. <laughs> you might just hate the idea. So I pitched him the idea, which he really liked, and then I came back um, a week later with you know forty eight pages of notes that I had written on it, and we got to work. and And the idea was that JJ was going to direct it. Yeah. And so I wrote I don't know nine or ten drafts for him, and then he went off to do Star Wars. But but the company stayed on to produce, mm-hmm. and he and he remained involved. Then we attached Robert Zemeckis to direct. And I wrote nine or ten drafts for him, and uh, and then he dropped off to go do something else. And then we did a bunch more work for the studio, and all along. We're reinventing the movie two or three times. Right. Um, and then we get uh, Julius Avery uh, to direct. And I was about to go to work for him when Tycoon uh, got greenlit. And so I had to drop off. So they brought in uh, Mark Smith 
to work with Julius and to, and to you know, finish the movie. And I consider it to be very much Mark and Julius's movie. Um, I'm really happy to have my name on it. I, I, I'm proud of the movie, and I think it'll be a big hit. Uh, but it would be stupid of me and, and unfair of me to take credit for work that I really believe is theirs. The shooting script was Mark's, and, and, and the vision of what to do with that script is Julius's. So, you know, the, the credit goes to them. Wow. Okay. Well said. And again, I I mean, I just, I really respect your, your humility and, and, and giving credit where credit is due and, and being able to, you know, unfortunately we, we don't see a lot of that and, and it's good to see from somebody as accomplished as you to, to, you know, I learned actually in a, in a directing class, (laughs) before I'd ever directed, I took a class at UCLA extension Mm -hmm. taught by a guy named Robert Spira and he, he was preaching something that became my absolute mantra in terms of not just directing, but life. He said, duck the credit for everything that goes well and take the blame for everything that goes wrong. Mm. And if you do that as a, as a director, for example, someone comes up to you and says, oh my God, dailies were incredible today. You say, yeah, Chris Cooper's amazing. Right. Or my DP is killing it. If you're on the set and, and someone drops a C-stand 100 feet away, you raise your hand and say, that was my fault. I did not position you in such a way that that would be impossible. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. What you find is that your crew will kill for you because you're not some credit hoovering moron who always needs to be stroked. And in fact, you just want other people to feel good about the work they're doing. And what I found was that that's not just a good mantra for directing. It's a good mantra for life. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so I'm excited about this one. I, I just, I was, I'm a huge fan of old Hollywood, the golden age. And I yep. thought when I saw The Last Tycoon, I was just in heaven. I thought it was a brilliant rendition of it, a brilliant telling of it. I thought what the cast was absolutely phenomenal. Um, we, I mean, just every episode I was on the edge of my seat. I thought what you were able to do with that series, just absolutely brilliant from start to finish. And I was devastated. They took it, they took it down. Well, you and me both. Um, here, here's the story behind that. Um, last tycoon is easily, easily the best working experience of my life. By far the most fun I've ever had. Everything about it was bliss. Even the hard days were bliss. Mm-hmm. I loved writing it. I loved producing it. I loved directing it. I loved my partner on the show, Chris Kaiser. Loved my cast, loved my crew, loved the costumes, just loved it all. Right. Loved, loved, loved that experience. And, uh, you know, I'm used to saying goodbye to people at the end of a movie. When the shoot's over, you don't expect to ever see them again, right? Right. Except maybe at the premiere. When you say goodbye to people at the end of season one of a series, you expect to see them three months from now. Yeah. And so it was never a goodbye. It was, oh, I'll see you in a couple months. Because we had laid out five seasons of that show, and oh. we knew exactly oh, you're killing going. me. Man, I wish. I like, wish. And we were going somewhere really cool. Yeah. And, and season two was always designed to be the most fun season. And we, the whole thing was, you know, written in my head. Um, then we find out that we're canceled, and it was easily the biggest disappointment of my career. There's never been anything mm. close. Yeah. Um, you know, we were canceled six weeks after launch. Mm-hmm. Um, our launch was July 28th, which never made sense to me because we were not a summer show. But be that as it may, six weeks later, we got the hammer. And I went in to talk to the head, of the, the then head of the network, uh, Roy Price, who's since been fired. And I, I said, Roy, can you please tell me what the hurry was? 
because when you put a show on a service like Amazon, you are effectively saying to the audience that they've got forever to watch it. Right. And particularly a show like ours, which people were enjoying kind of one episode per week because the show was really dense. Yes. Right. So what was the hurry? Why did you have to cancel it after six weeks? He said, well, the fact is we canceled it after seven days. What? I said, what? What? He said, we made the decision seven days after launch. We didn't like the numbers, and so we stopped spending on it, and that was it. You were wow. Dead. And uh, you, what can one say? Um, if, if the head of the network is not a fan of the show, uh, you're dead. That's it. Mm. And it didn't matter that he was subsequently fired. Um, and it didn't matter that a new administration came in. Once the announcement was made to cancel the show, we could never get it revived. I went from network to network to network begging someone to pick up our show. But nobody wants to pick up someone else's, you know, canceled show. Mm. So all those ideas, all those episodes, all those characters, there's just nowhere for them to go. Wow. And uh, that was really hard. That was, that was, that was pretty bad. Uh, it's not bad like you know, having your daughter kidnapped by Boko Haram right. in Nigeria, that's right. worse. Um, but in, in relative terms of our little world, uh, that was the biggest disappointment of my career. I, and and it's amazing to me that he, after seven days he cites the numbers because I'm sure you're aware um, it there's a massive fan base for this show and a groundswell of Save the Last Tycoon, you know, a campaign out there to try to save it and get it back on somewhere. So it, it's just surprising to me to hear him say... After seven days, the numbers, we just don't want it. Yeah. I, that's shocking to me. Really yeah, it was shocking to me, too. And and, um, and and his complaint about it was that it was not a, a binge show. Mm. Um, that people weren't, uh, weren't watching enough of them at once. And I said to him, and I, this is going to sound like a leading question. I didn't mean it to be. I said, why is it better for someone to come to the Amazon site once and watch nine episodes and it would be for someone to come to the Amazon site nine times and watch the show once. Right. Why is that better? And he did not have an answer. Now, to be perfectly fair, in, in the world of taking blame for things that go wrong, um, the part of that that was my fault, for which I am 100% responsible, is that um, I was so driven as we were making that show by the ghost of Mad Men, which I thought was one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. I was floored by that show and by its content. I think if I were to do it all over again, the part that I would really look closely at is, I think I was trying so hard to be brilliant that for the first couple episodes, I probably didn't spend enough time being entertaining. And what we found is that you know the show didn't really get fun until about episode three or four. Um, and so there were a number of people who dropped off two episodes in. The people who stayed past that point were really happy and wrote it all the way to episode nine. But I think we lost people early in the show when I was laying out too much story and I was trying to get too thematic. And again, that idea of just, just trying to be as good as Mad Men instead of just letting the audience have fun right off the bat. Right. That is my fault. That's not Roy's fault. That's, that's my fault. And, you know, lesson learned. Yep. I'll never do that again. Well, I, I, I'm just going to say, I was a fan of what you did Everything, for the first yeah. episode, so I'll just politely disagree with you there. But I, I liked the character set up. I, I, I liked how you developed the story and gave us who these people were before yeah. you dove into uh, w what we saw progress. And, I, I mean, I was a fan of that. So, But I respect that, you know, the, what you just said. And, and I think um, casting, I, I have to I have to just say, I, I mean, Kelsey Grammer and, and Lily Collins and, and Matt Bomer, just yeah, brilliant. Those three. I mean, Jennifer Beale, like uh, everybody all, 
involved. They were all awesome. Uh, you know, my casting director, uh, uh, Sharon Vialli, exceptional at what she does. Her company is amazing. And that was the first time ever in my career where we never got told no. Mm. We had one choice for Monroe Star, and it was Matt. We had one choice uh, to play Pat Brady, and it was Kelsey. We had one choice, you know, uh, to play Celia, and it was Lily. We went after one person to play Kathleen, and it was Dominique McElligot. One person to play Rose, and it was Rosemary DeWitt. Nobody said no. Wow. Um, we got our first choice for every part. Yeah. And um, and even the people who came in and read for things were just amazing. Uh, and that was part of the bliss of the show, that um, the cast was so good, and they wanted to be challenged. Um, they loved their characters. You could see they loved the costumes. They loved the hair. They loved the sets. They liked being on set. It was a dream. I, I bet. I bet. And and Lily Collins, just she looked like she stepped straight out of uh, from that era. I mean, it was absolutely, right. the makeup and hair, and it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely awesome. brilliant. And I had seen her in... Um, and also just, you know, those faces. Right. Lily's face. Dominique's face and, and Matt's face. And they're just, the camera just loves them. You just, you just want to hang on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Grammar, like you said, I couldn't think of anybody better for Pat Brady than Grammar. He yeah. just, I mean, no, the epitome was, of the role. So, he was um, perfect. okay, well, let me ask you. Oh, any, I had such plans for these characters. I know, I bet. So that's my, my next question. Um, do you have any sort of, uh, maintain any sort of control over that? Could we see a potential project down the line readdressing those characters or does Amazon have all that? Um, or Well, this is, uh, this is just between us, which is sort of a funny thing to say on a podcast. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, Tell anybody. No, all of our listeners there be quiet. Is, there, is, <laughs> there is one character, uh, on that show that I am planning somewhere down the line to spin off. Oh, into a separate story. Oh, snap. Okay. But I can't tell which character it is. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, well, I, I, I've got my fingers crossed. I, I'm hoping for a particular one. Yeah. But, uh, so, <laughs> um, well, listen, man, this has been extremely entertaining yeah, and informative. Seriously. I think some of the stuff that you've dropped for our listeners who are trying to get in the industry has been brilliant. And I just love your approach to your career. Um, and again, your humility and the way that you conduct yourself. And I, I, I'm positive. That's why you've had the longevity that you've had and will continue to have the success that you've had. Um, and again, open invite, sir, when, when the Comey stuff comes out or Terminator is out and yeah, and we would love to have you back on and talk about a bunch of stuff and just, you know, you've been fantastic and we appreciate you taking the time to do it today. I really appreciate it. It's very flattering to be asked. Um, would love to come back. Uh, next fall, we can talk about Gemini Man Absolutely. and yeah. Terminator because they're going to come out uh, very close to one another. Yeah. Awesome. And hopefully by then we'll we'll know exactly uh, what the Comey movie looks like because hopefully by then it'll be shot. Um, so I would love to come back and, and chat. That would be great. And for now, I just got to go prepare my lecture for the Girl Scouts. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And hopefully, wink, wink, you'll be able to tell us what character that was that you're uh, going to spin off. <laughs> oh, yeah, by November yeah. of next year? Yeah. Very good bet of that. Yeah, hey, there we go. Well, listen, I have no doubt you're going to dazzle the Girl Scouts. You're going to be great. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I'll take a box of Thin Mints if you... Yeah, uh, if yeah. you get... Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Take care, bud. Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, now it is time for Jeffrey Cantor, man. You could have seen him on Daredevil, Punisher, freaking the new Maniac series that's on Netflix. He's basically taking over Netflix. He is basically taking a house of cards. He's be- Yeah, Netflix loves him. Man. Yeah. He has movies, television, theater. I mean, this guy does it all, and he teaches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is going to be a good one. Oh, there he is. Hello? 
Hey, this is Jeffrey Cantor. Hey, Jeffrey. How hey. are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. First, let me say thank you for joining us today and taking yes. the time to chat with us. We're pretty excited about it. It's my pleasure. And uh, you're speaking with myself and Logan today. So just to give Hello, a heads Logan. up. What's up? <laughs> How's the weather in New York right now? It's nasty. Oh, no. <laughs> I say, you know, high 40s, rain on and off. Mm. Sun's coming out a little bit. Where are you guys? Oh, down in South Mississippi, just outside New Orleans. So yeah. I'd take uh, the 40s. I'm from New York, so I would take the 40s because yeah. it's like 90 here. Yeah, exactly. Which... <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but, uh... it's 90 now? Oh, yeah. We, we it, don't it's see pretty intense. winter, really. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I mean, I've, been, I've spent some time in uh, New Orleans, but I I, um, I thought come October, you know, it was down like in the 70s. Yeah, no, we're, we're still pushing the 80s and 90s yeah. and, and real humid. <sighs> we're, we're hoping soon yeah. we'll get 70s. Current temperature, 85 degrees. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. But 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 you have the French Quarter. So this is true. Who this really is cares true. what the temperature is? Exactly. You're it's right. always hot. In the <laughs> yeah, I like him already. Already. <laughs> like him already. Awesome. Well, first let me let me just say that it's kind of not your standard Q and A. It's just kind of more of a sit around the table kind of discussion and have a conversation type interview. Yeah. So um, That's fine. yeah, we just have to sit back and have a lot of fun. So what we'd like to do first is kind of start out and introduce you to our listeners and kind of give a background about how you got started in the industry and uh was it something you always wanted to do or is it something you kind of fell into or so how did that come about i mean i know researching you a little bit i know that your parents your dad uh enjoyed theater your mom was a painter if i'm correct so you kind of were around the arts yeah i mean you know when you're when you're brought up as a young jewish person in the northeast and you're close to new york city um you, you go, I mean, I saw theater, you know, we would go see theater. My dad did community theater at a very high level, but we also, all we, we sang, you know, we, we did, um, uh, I was in the chorus at school. So it was, it was always sort of part of the cultural, my cultural understanding of the world, right? Was theater and music. Um, and, uh, awesome. when I was in, um, at summer camp, I uh, actually wrote <laughs> and directed and starred in an adaptation of um, the time machine. Do you remember that movie? Oh yeah, H.G. Wells. Sixties. Yeah, I, I I don't even remember who's in it, but it was it was kind of spectacular, and I remember seeing it at summer camp. And so I I made my own version of it, and um, it, it, the, the idea of storytelling as an active event was uh, was I guess part of my DNA. Yeah, and um, then you know, but the, I was not a professional child actor in grade school. I did I did some plays I did plays up at the high school and I was in grade school because I could sing then when I was in um, middle school and high school I did community theater as well as the school plays and then when I was in college I did some plays at school but also I did Summerstock up in Weston uh, Vermont awesome and um, it was when I was I, I thought I was going to be a lawyer um, again apropos my uh, my young Jewish upbringing <laughs> <All right. laughs> but I uh Instead, I, I, I realized that I really loved being an actor. I loved, I guess, the the fully integrated experience that acting offered up. Right? It was it was my my brain, my emotions, my my physicality. Everything was brought to bear on that experience every time, and that's pretty transcendent, right? There aren't a lot of things that offer that up. No, um, yeah, yes, and, and so. Um, I was doing, uh, I did West Side Story and this tremendous teacher 
one of the leading dramaturgs in the country, a guy named Len Berkman, who uh, is still up in the Amherst area. He was head of the drama department at Smith. He saw me in the play, and he wrote me a, a couple-page letter, handwritten, oh, uh, about my work, um, sort of in terms that I hadn't really considered, you know, sophisticated, nuanced um, vision of the work I was doing. And, oh, I, and wow. I realized that this is something I was not bad at. Like, I didn't suck. Right, right. right. Sort of, the bar, the bar was pretty low for me. But I didn't <laughs> suck, um, and I had, and it was very, very um, fulfilling to do uh, West Side Story at, at, at Amherst. And so, I, I, you know, I was doing summer stock, and I made the decision to become a drama major. Um, there was no pre-law anyway, so it didn't really matter what I majored in. Right. But then I went to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center um, for my junior year at Amherst. And one of the teachers there is a guy was a guy named um, Mars Karnowski. Mars Karnowski had been with the group theater, and and he and Meisner and and um, H. B. and uh, Udagin. I mean, Lee Strasberg. I mean, they 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 all knew each other. They're all part of this experience that they sort of drew from um, Stanislavski, and um, he was probably one of our best actors ever. He is, he's most known for his version of Shylock. And I was taking like six to nine hours of class with him a week. Oh, and wow. it was, it was transformative, right? Um, the, this class in the national theater Institute is part of the Eugene O'Neill theater center. And it's a uh, 10 and a half hours of class a day, six days a week, six hours of class on Sundays, one day off. It's like this boot camp, And I relished it. I, I didn't find it, anything other than exhilarating. And, and that was a, sort of a good litmus test that, um, that I could at least handle the rigors Absolutely. of what, what the job would entail. And then went to drama school in England um, at the Central School, uh, which is now the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in Swiss Cottage. And um, then I thought I was going to take the world by storm. I had a TV <laughs> job right out of drama school. I came back to the United States. I, I, I couldn't get arrested. And so I was a social worker for three years. Oh, man. And, yeah, yeah. And then um, then things started happening slowly. I had, you know, my day jobs ranged from social work to moving boxes to doing data entry. Right. Um, and uh, it's progressed very slowly, pretty nicely, but very slowly. And so now this is what I get to do. And it's pretty spectacular. Well, so that's that's the story. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'll just tell you, just hearing you talk about it, you can hear the passion for it in your voice. Yeah. Just describing it and kind of going through what you went through to get to where you're at, you can just hear how much you enjoy it, which is really oh, nice. I, I do. It's it's really my favorite thing to do. Uh, I, I, you know, my my wife might might argue the point, but she would not deny the fact that I would rather be working than pretty much doing anything else. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's awesome. I mean, honestly, yeah. and like you said, it has progressed extremely nicely. I mean, your list of credits: television, film, theater. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, it's just so broad. I mean, you've played all different kinds of characters, yeah, all different seriously. types of films and television shows. Um, I mean, it's a pretty extensive resume, honestly. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's impressive. I got I got to tell you, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you may be one of the only people that I'm aware of that's actually been on all four Law and Order series. Right? I, I don't know that that's untrue, actually. <laughs> I, I think uh, a lot of people have the trifecta. But right. I, 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 you know, trial by jury didn't last all that long. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think that I don't know if that is my claim to fame, but I certainly <laughs> I, I'm honored. I'm honored. The other thing is, of course, and, and there's a few shows that I've done where I thought this is it. Right. This is the ticket. Right. And so Law and Order Trial by Jury, I had a really nice part. It was a recur from a Law and Order um, criminal intent. Right. Ronald Harding. And so it's the same lawyer. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this time. is me. A bunch of scenes. I'm working with Michael Coulter, yeah, Dominic. And, you know, I'm working with Dom Lom. I'm working with like two really good actors who now have like these amazing careers. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm, I did it. Yay. Not so much. Yeah. Not yeah. So much. Well, I, I can't blame. I mean, and you're thinking like every Law and Order series has gone on for years. Exactly. So hit, you know, and so right. who knew, yeah. right? Not so much. Well, and it would have. I, to be honest, it's not the show's fault, you know. Uh, Jerry Orbach, may he rest in peace. Yes, um, yes. was already sick. Yep. And this was a way of an, allowing him to continue his work um, on his own schedule. And um, unfortunately, he didn't last. You know, yeah. He, just, yeah. he didn't last, and it's terribly sad. He was such a great actor and and a really nice guy. I'd met him a couple of times, but his passing really sort of made the show go under. I, I actually liked I liked the structure of it. I actually prefer the structure of that show in some ways because it it slowed the pace down and it wasn't quite so formulaic and and there was conversations between lawyers it was a much more complex structure i think yeah and uh i was really happy to be part of it i mean the cast is so great that's a great description of it i'm a huge fan of all the law and order shows and i think that's a brilliant description of of, of trial by jury i I would agree with you wholeheartedly and agreed rest in peace for jerry i mean it it, i I think you're right i think that is why the series didn't go on it and and yeah it was a loss and but it appears on netflix certainly loves you yeah i know i'm in four what now I've been in four Netflix shows. Is that uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's not bad. That said, Netflix has how many shows? <laughs> yeah, something I mean. of their own shows that they're it's, doing. It's true. So my, it's not like I have. A, I'm not like in a huge percentage of Netflix shows. I, I am in four very popular shows. Yeah, sure. definitely, yes, definitely. Sure. Okay, so let's talk about that. First of all, huge uh, congratulations uh, on Daredevil this yes, season. Oh my goodness! Uh, by far, season three. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, where yeah. <laughs> season three. So Epic. fantastic. Um. Oh <laughs> yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both television and film, just amazing. So let's talk about that a little bit. What's it like to be involved in that type of a universe where it's got so much going on and so much complexity with yeah, the way seriously. it's all linked together? Well, that's you know that's a it's a good but also complex question. So there's so many levels, right? Right. As an actor in New York, the fact that all of these things are shooting here mm-hmm. is just spectacular. I, yeah. Uh, there's um the relationship that the business has with its talent is getting much much more complex because there's more work than ever before there really is and there's certainly more work you know with all the law and orders closing down with the exception of the one you know that was really the bread and butter for a lot of us and and now there's all the marvel shows are being done here but also a lot of Mm non-comedies are being done here maniac was shot here too so that's a huge boon um and and i have been a happy beneficiary of of that dynamic yeah definitely um when i auditioned you know it was another job i wasn't thinking that my part 
you know, I'm, I wasn't Ben Urich. I, I right. did not think my part was does, is not included in any of the comic books. I didn't have to worry about honoring anything, but also I, I wasn't given any indication that, you know, it, I thought I might maybe get a couple episodes, but that was about it. And sure. I wasn't told I'm going to be recurring in multiple seasons. I wasn't told I was going to get five to six episodes a season. I, uh, you know, they liked me. I was happy. They liked me. It was another job. That's great. And I, and I clearly... I was a Daredevil fan, so I, I clearly knew what the potential was. This was the flagship, the tentpole, if you will, right? Yeah. Of of this of the Netflix Marvel TV Hell's Kitchen universe, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I I understood that intellectual, but other than that, it was a, it was a job. It was a good job, but right. it was a job. I, I, where, I, I, it, where it started to really resonate, I guess was when I got the multiple episodes in, in season one and I started seeing what was happening, not for me so much, but the amount of press and energy generated around it was pretty intense, you know? And so and so I was watching that a little bit from the outside because I'm, I'm not one of the stars of the show. And in season one, I, you know, no one knew who I was or, or and very few people, I think, even really know who I am. That said, I, it started, I started to get the fact that this isn't just a good job. This is like a great job. And also, purely artistic the writing is awesome. I mean, Steve DeKnight's first season. Yeah. yeah. And, and I understand season three is also a very special season, but, but it doesn't happen without season one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and season one really broke, like a lot of Netflix show, shows do for a season, right? I mean, you look at House of Cards, the first season blew everybody away. Right, yeah. So Daredevil did the same thing. Daredevil set a whole new trend in taking the comic book universe and putting it on television in a way that honored the spirit of the comic book, but without being kitsch or cute. Right. Agreed. There's nothing kitsch or cute about it. And my character especially, and I've said this in some other interviews, I, I'm, I'm, I was, first of all, I was given a backstory, which for a secondary character is rare. I was given time, which for a secondary character is rare. Mm-hmm. The scenes live in these longer spaces because it's really a 10 hour, 13 hour movie. Mm-hmm. And so you're not rushed. My scenes were never rushed. You know, that first scene I have with Ben Urich is in season one is like five pages. You know, I mean, we we just sat and talked about other stuff before we even got to the meat of the scene. Yeah. And I, and, and that's that's unique. Really? I got to say, that's a unique thing for an actor in television in New York to experience. And so I think, um, you know, that that it, it, my grasp of what the value of this, both as an artist. But also from a business standpoint, it, it was dawning on me <laughs> as it progressed, yeah. right? And uh, and clearly, season three is a very special season. I mean, I think it's it really. Um, it, I, I think it's a special show. I, I think uh, you know you're looking at a man fighting his own demons, fighting his own sense of right and wrong. It's a, it's he's got people in his life. I think it's just a, a really well crafted. I've used the word complex a number of times, but it's a well crafted complex vision. It is of 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 a particular kind of superhero who doesn't really have superpowers. Right, right. right. And my character, I don't have. The, there's not this huge suspension of disbelief. Right, you can be in that space. You can really be on the streets of New York. It's like, and not have to pretend that you believe in something you don't believe in. I'm, I'm watching like the audience does these things unfold with the same kind of cynicism and same kind of awe and same kind of concerns and same kind of curiosity and that, that the audience sees. I mean, the, the newspaper is a great window into that space, right? Yes, no, it really is. Which you played a huge part in the third season, especially with the whole Karen Page storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is 
I don't want to embarrass her, but she is really spectacular, man. She is kind. She she's she is so good, so good, um, and conscientious and hardworking. She she and I will spend hours on the phone pouring over a scene so that when we get into the space where we're already ahead of the game and it, and it flies when I work with her. I mean, we're friends now and, and right. she's, That's awesome. she's good people, man. She is really, and of course for anybody who doesn't know, we're talking about Deborah Ann Wall, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Karen Page. Yep. Karen Page. Yeah. Um, she's, she's, she's a spectacular actress and a spectacular person. So, and, and okay. So yeah, your, your, your answer was, was complex and it, it sparked out a number of questions for you. First, it Go had ahead. to be really exciting because like you said, it, your character was not in the comic book. So it had to be exciting to have like this blank canvas. And while given a, a little bit of a backstory, you also had some room to interpret where you oh, wanted yeah. to go with, with, with Ellison, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So that, that, and listen, I think that they've really expanded in season three on, on the storyline with you guys and, and, and the relationship that, that developed between you and Karen is just phenomenal. Um, uh, your work on Punisher was outstanding. Uh, I, I, I'm really excited to kind of see where the whole relationship continues to go because I think that they were kind of setting up Karen's eventual trek, if anybody in comic book fans know. Um, I'm curious to see how, how Mitchell's role in that is going to be um, because you've taken on a very fatherly figure with Karen. So Right. I, you know, you and me both. Um, uh there's a lot of, I don't know what the conjecture is in, a, in the Twitter and Reddit and Instagram universe. Um, uh, I, I know part of me, uh, as an actor who just wants to work, mm -hmm. um, was very happy to have one of the stars of the show working for him, right? So that right. means every scene she's in, I, I at least have the chance of being in that episode. Right. So that was, so I appreciated that from that standpoint. But also, what they did, I think, very smartly at the end was they, you know, it's it's not. I, I'm mad at you if you're gone. It's they have a real human relationship where you can be mad at somebody you love, right? Right. Yeah. And seriously. so they honored that. I think really, really well. You know, the the scene at the uh, Kanish stand, right? I think tells a huge story about who these two people are to yeah. each other, but also what the possibility is. And it seems to me that Ellison is going to be. I'm hoping that Ellison is smart enough to understand that Karen is a woman of integrity, like he is, right? Right. And so so that that even though she's not giving me everything I want um, practically, that, that the lessons that she's learned in our connection uh, have to do with the fact that I, uh, by example, she understands what integrity is. You know, she has the same integrity that I have. Right. You know, um, that Ellison has. And, and I think that, that Ellison gets that from her and that's why he doesn't push her further he's willing to just do the the press conference yeah and protect her yeah and uh, so what i'm hoping is that 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 becomes i, I my gut and again this is really conjecture and i'm, I'm not basing <laughs> this on anything other than the same thing you would right sure. right but ellison in a way is now yurik yes mm -hmm. Ka karen's not working there anymore and yurik's dead yeah so i'm now Yurik-ish. Yes, mm -hmm. agreed. And and I gotta believe that that I am going to be using Karen Page as much as she's going to be using me. Yeah. For insight into what she, I know she knows something, and I and and as opposed to 
to saying, well, if you're not going to give me what I want, you're, well, she's no longer working for me. So she's not obligated in the same way. Mm-hmm. And you sort of want to ride the horse in the direction it's going. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll take what I can get, and I hope they keep, you know, me and, and the bulletin as an active, again, window into this into this world. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I even show up in Jessica Jones. There's, no again, no indication in that. But, but it seems to me that the newspaper is such a great way to do that. So it's wishful thinking on my part. Well, I, I hope so. I, I, I do see your character being one that could, could jump from all of the different series. Um, and so I would also like to say I would I would slightly disagree with you a little bit on the fact that you're not a star of the show. I think right. indeed you are taking nothing away from the main performers on the on the call sheet. I, I think they've expanded your character and you do interact in a way where you play a heavy role into what happens with Karen, therefore playing a heavy role into what happens with Foggy and Matt and everybody else in the series. Yeah. So I would argue the fact that maybe you're a bit of a bigger star of the show yeah. than, than you would like to think. Yeah. So, um, uh, not that I would like to think. I would like to think. man. But yeah, I love I, that scene, though. Uh, I, I, uh, well, thank you. I mean, I, you know, um, uh, it's hard when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. So I don't. I, I see what I see, and I, I feel what I feel. Yeah. So I, I'm thrilled to be any part of it, and I love the fact that they've given me... Um, more to do and and they are keeping me involved uh eric was just a terrific writer and and look doug and and marco also you know in season two yeah um they all took care of me i am not i'm not feeling not taken care of i i'm very very happy and uh do i want to do more yeah of course i want to do more and i want to i want to do anything i can do but i i they write. They write a good character, and they they honor they honor sort of the, the Ellison that we saw in the first in that first scene. Right, the same guy, He's, and that's pretty amazing, right? You got how many episodes now? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's well, and cool that they've maintained that with with three different writing staffs. Yeah, that's 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 pretty great. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And speaking of, I know Logan's got a question. For, speaking of moving forward, yeah. What do you what do you think about the recent cancellations of Iron Fist and Luke Cage? Do you feel like that's setting something up further, or do you feel a little worried about the Netflix shows on or the Marvel you Netflix know, shows? Um, I don't know any more than anybody else. Right. Does, and and uh, I certainly hope that it's not boding ill for us. I, I know there were. I saw some tweets from both. Uh, Vincent and um, and Charlie mm-hmm. um, discounting rumors of a possible cancellation of Daredevil. I, I don't I don't know enough. I really don't. I don't know why or how um, the deals w- between Marvel and Netflix were set up. I believe they're all a little bit different, right? Daredevil right. was the first one. So Marvel, it, Netflix sort of acts. It's kind of a producer. It's kind of a a distributor. They play so many different roles with different projects, and and I, I can't believe, considering that Daredevil was the first one, that that is not a very. Um, I think that 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 the two parties are very embedded in that one more mm-hmm. than they were maybe in the others. Um, yeah, I, I can't see them canceling Daredevil. I mean, it does occur to me, and I heard rumors. Again, this is just pure conjecture. Uh, I heard rumors that um, not rumors. Uh, hypotheses that in fact perhaps you know because Disney's going to have its own streaming platform right yeah so do you cancel these so that you get yourself out of your deal with Netflix so you can air them on Disney or are you just going to slowly let this Marvel Universe fade out 
and then what happens on Disney will be different. I, you know, there are much bigger heads and minds involved. Am I a little concerned? Sure. I, I mean, I'd be lying if I, if I said that canceling any show in a universe of multiple shows is, yeah, you, you're, of course you're going to consider that. Right, right. Um, then the other side of that is, are they going to integrate those characters into our shows? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, so I, I don't I don't know. There's a lot of people involved and I ain't one of them <laughs> who, who are making these decisions. Yeah. I um I, I the Luke Cage one, um, you know, Michael, I, I know Michael better than I, I know uh, Finn. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, I've met Finn and he's lovely and terrific, but I've known Michael. Michael was in that Law and Order with me. Actually. No, right. Nice. Um, that's right. Um, I know Michael's got other projects that he's doing, too. So the reason for the cans, first of all, we don't really know why they canceled. Right. They, they could be canceling for any number of reasons. It could be business. It could be artistic. It could be any number of reasons. So um, I, I don't I don't have any of that data. Uh, and so I can't really talk about with any in- intelligence uh, about what the intentions were or what the future will hold. Right. Does it, does it concern me a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, does it concern me a lot? N- not really yet. When they, when, you know, I'm a hopeful guy. There's right. no bigger stuff going on in the world right now. Right. Exactly. Whether, whether or not they're going to, you know, we just, there's just a shooting in Pittsburgh, you know, exactly. Netflix uh, show on Netflix. It's like, uh, right. So my head is, is not about, that um, um, Eric uh, dis- discounted the rumors. I think they've already started the writers' room. Um, I don't think they would have done that without um, thinking that there's going to be another season. Um, so at, now it's going to be season after season four. Again, uh, that remains to be seen. Right. You know, the fact that those others shut down does that mean that that just focuses all the attention? on Daredevil and Jessica Jones. That's another way of looking at it, I suppose. Right. Well, here, uh, look, listen, I, hopefully, this is what I'd like. I, I'm hoping it's creative, and I hope it wasn't creative differences. I hope it's creative as in they're going to pull Luke and, and Iron Fist together and do Heroes for Hire, which I think almost all the fans want, and that they continue in that form. And I also love the idea of you continuing on, bouncing from series to series. Jessica Jones, Punisher, Daredevil. Because you're right, I think the newspaper should absolutely... I mean, you're in Hell's Kitchen. They're all in Hell's Kitchen. It would only make sense that you're there. So, Well, I, I, think, you should, I think you should start a grassroots effort and campaign. <laughs> We're pretty good at of, that. We so are. Yeah, I think we will. On, of getting Ellison everywhere. I will, I will do it, and we will make okay. sure. Crazy Ant will put it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Um, so okay, so we so let's talk about also a little bit about uh, your other one um, on Netflix, Maniac. Yes. What was yeah. that like with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone? Yes. Yeah, first of all, what an intense series. Seriously. I mean, Oof. Woof. That, that's <laughs> something, right? So, yeah. Right? Um, Emma Stone is one of the nicest people on the planet. I didn't get to really work with her, but uh, we we met a couple times on set, mm-hmm. and I got a selfie with her, and she was really <laughs> really sweet. Jonah Hill, I met when we were doing um, the Coen Brothers movie. Right. Oh, nice. So, um, uh, Hail Caesar, right? Hail Caesar, yeah. right. So, um, when I saw him at the table read, yeah, I got a hug. He's, he's terrific. He, uh, that, I think for both of them, I mean, they're also on the producing side, but for both of them, this was a lot more than anybody could have bargained for. I don't think anybody could have imagined how intense the work on this show would be. Yeah. Um, uh, Carrie and, and um, uh, uh, 
the writer. Um, boy, I'm so old. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 um, they created, talk about creating a world, they created a reality right. that um, it's kind of special in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's not superhero world. It's this dystopian future that you would imagine. If you were to think of the future in 1960 without knowing what computers were going to do, so you have, you know, you have the friend proxy and you have the ad buddy, which are kind of like human apps. Mm-hmm. That already was such a remarkable environment that they created. Um, and then I got to work with Jonah and I got to work with Gabriel Barn. Oh, yeah. You know, a, a rock star. <laughs> um, and Magnuson. I mean, everybody who I worked with, um, I, had a, I had a great time shooting that. I had a great time shooting. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. But yes, yeah. That was. I mean, I got to play Frank in episode seven and eight. Was really different from anything else I've ever played. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love that guy. Yeah. He, smoking cigarettes, yeah. shooting up people. I love that guy. <laughs> I, um, I love it. I, I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 oh, Patrick Somerville, of course. And 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 they also like in Daredevil. I mean. You were talking about creating the character and, and given the being given the freedom right. to um, to do that in Daredevil, they they give me a fair amount of creative freedom with some with some of the words because I I already embodied the character and I was given a lot of freedom. I was given a lot of freedom in Maniac too. You know, uh, we were writing. I mean, they were writing lines in the middle of stuff. Oh you know, wow! Say, why don't you say this too? Why don't you Why don't you do this too? And so. Creatively, I had, I had a freaking blast. I I loved uh, what I got to do, and and again, I'm I'm clearly not the star of that show. I got <laughs> I got my my four episodes, and and two of them were not a lot to do. Um, but but episode eight, I had a a real blast. I really and no again no pun intended. I had a, no. <laughs> a real blast, and, and and it's a real honor to work with those guys. I mean, Patrick and Carrie are, are these are you know, young, smart, cutting edge creatives, and they hired me. Yeah. You know, I, I, this, this, this 50 something year old, you know, New York actor journeyman gets the play with the big boys. It's nice. Uh, well, listen, yeah, I, again, I thought you were phenomenal in the series. We all did hear it crazy. Yeah. And uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, go watch it because it's absolutely phenomenal. You're, you're definitely going to want to check it out. Um, well, yeah, boy. Okay, so beyond all of the acting, behind all of the success you've had, you're also a coach. You also teach. I do a lot of acting coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. We'll talk about that for a little bit. I mean, uh, how do, is that to keep your own skills sharp? Do you find like how did you get into the acting side? I mean, the teaching how did side. I get of it? into that. Yeah, that's a, a good question. I think what really happened. I was at a place when I was at the National Theater Institute. One of my teachers, um, Michael Posnick. Um, who was head of the drama department at Manhattanville College, uh, was one of my teachers. And he was heading up a program called the National Youth Theater Institute. And they were working with high school kids uh, in the same kind of intense theater program, but over the course of the summer. And I was asked to be a sort of teacher counselor. But I was giving classes. I was teaching, I was doing monologue work with teens. And I was only a little bit older than them. Right. Right. And I loved it. And and to your point, you know, to, to hone your own skills, you're you're, you're kind of spot on. I, that wasn't what I was doing it for, but it's what I learned. It was about 
right? So I took the job because A, it was a job. B, I liked Michael Posnick. Um, and it allowed me to, it was a good summer job. But what I discovered by doing it was that I, A, was pretty good at it. Right. And, and that, to your point, it really did inform my own work. If you can express to somebody else your process, it actually helps you figure out what your process is. And, um, and this is even before I went to drama school. And so uh, then I did some a little directing in college, a little directing when I was uh, at drama school. Um, and then I didn't really start coaching again until I was doing a play. I was understudying on Broadway, a play called Sideman by Warren Light. And uh, it, it was a great, great experience for me. I got to understudy three roles and three remarkable actors. But um, I would run lines and give some guidance to like the other understudies when they would have an audition. I was, I was kind of coaching them. And then uh, a friend of mine was um, married to a woman who was a manager of kids. And we started talking. She started sending me her kids from this management office. And so I, I, you know, it was a way of making money, but also I did enjoy it. And I, I then ran a drama program at a, at a, at a Jewish community center in, in New Jersey. I was then the artistic director and ran the acting program for a nationwide theater experience um, or arts experience called Arts Fest for the JCC Association. And so it's something I'm good at. It's something I enjoy. Um, I, I am troubled by the way acting is taught by some mm. people. Um, there's a lot of charlatans out there. Right. Um, but I'm also a believer that anybody can do this. I, I really think you know, it doesn't really matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your your level of ableness is. Um, it doesn't matter what what age you are, what gender you are, what gender you you identify as. Nothing matters if you have the desire and you can communicate, even not with words, and you can think, mm -hmm. and you and you have the the, the urge to, to participate in the communicative experience of the universe. You can do this. And, and so I'm, I'm a bit of a universalist in that way. Yeah. And I think that um, to be able to participate in that is, is good at any level. So my coaching really takes anybody from where they start and I can move them in a direction where they're going to enjoy the experience and be able to analyze text and, and share um, better than they were able to before they started. So I have some students with no acting experience at all who can now do community theater. I have other actors. Stephen Ogg is um, one of my students. Oh, um, Walking Dead, right? Yep. Yep, yep. And uh, Teresa Fitzhenley, who um, has a TV show and was also in the um, documentary docudrama about uh, the new prince and his wife. Uh, so I, I have actors who, who do remarkably well, and uh, I, I, I enjoy it. It's all word of mouth. I, I don't teach any classes anymore. It's all word of mouth. Well, I mean, you must be pretty good because I love Stephen Ogg on The Walking Dead, so kudos. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, he's you. No, fantastic. Like my acting, I don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Listen, yeah. I, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how you just you prefer to be working as opposed to not. And you could just tell, again, the passion that you have talking about the students and what you do. And, and, and it just really, really shows in what you do, even, even just in this conversation, which I think oh, – and I you. loved that quote about anybody can do this if they if they engage and they take the time and they do I, I love that i do want to talk a little bit about this too because this caught my attention rethink the conversation um uh -huh. 
I want to talk about that a little bit because I thought the description was interesting to say the very least. Um, a group creating unique programs that shifts the perspective around issues that have been tinged by stigma, misinformation, lack of attention, and indifference. So let's talk about that a little bit. Wow. Okay. So um, uh, one thing that I did, I'll, I'll try to take you on this journey if I may. Uh, sure. I did a commercial for, for Kleenex. I don't know if you remember this. I was the Kleenex guy. Okay. And I would, I would sit, and people would sit on a blue couch, and they would talk to me. And it was the Let It Out campaign. You can look it up. My experience as a social worker probably informed that and uh, helped me get the job and certainly allowed me to um, uh, be available. But I interviewed probably about 900 people oh, over wow. the course of a, a few years. Um, and on, on topics, everything from love to things that I can't even really discuss. Uh, clearly, all of them never made it to air. But um, but it was it was about two and a half, three years of this campaign. Flash forward, a friend of mine, uh, Joanne Harpel, who had uh, gone to Amherst a year below me, had excuse me had um, seen this commercial, you know, a few years before, mm -hmm. and had remembered it. She was working for an organization called the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. This organization is the largest nonprofit organization that looks to prevent suicide and bring awareness around the issue of suicide. And she had lost her brother and had left her law practice and or the law firm that she was working at and became a full-time administrator uh, level director of postvention and communications uh, for this organization and had grown aspects of it significantly uh, among on the survivor side, so a survivor of suicide laws. That was her main focus, mm -hmm. postvention. So she called me up out of the blue, really. I think we'd connected on Facebook and asked me if I would voice the website. So I looked at the website and there was nothing to voice. Uh, there, there was no content. It was a real nonprofit newsletter-based website. And I said, uh, you got nothing, but we could talk about content. <laughs> the next thing I know, I was sort of, I guess, uh, consulting for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And then I ended up directing some promotional videos for their walks. And then I direct, I fixed a program that they had done the year before. Then I directed that program for the year I did it. I created a new program called Ask the Experts. So I was directing and it was really fulfilling. Uh, and I was the right person um, because again, I think the social work background gave me a level of sensitivity. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I have a creative head. She left that organization and asked me to come along and work with her. And so I, I became, she had, she didn't even know what she wanted to do really. She just knew that she wanted to continue her work, but she wanted to do it on her own. So I named, I named it rethink the conversation because the idea is the nascent um, moment. I remember thinking we should become a non Profits, nonprofit marketing company. We should look at new ways of promoting nonprofits. You know that creativity doesn't need to cost more. Right. It's kind of my my theory. But we've morphed a little bit because um, it can't really be a nonprofit marketing company. That's not <laughs> really possible to do. Um, we right now our focus is significantly on mental health because that's Joanne's area of expertise. She's the world's leading expert on suicide bereavement. And that's how we connected. But but our goal, our long-term goal, is to look at a lot of, in a way, social justice issues, right? So education, art, gender equality, um, um, sexuality, um, uh, the earth, 
mm. medicine. To, they're, they're people doing remarkable things. And our goal is to sort of shift the conversation on, on topics where people are polarized and actually engage, get people to engage in conversation yes. around yes. polarizing issues. Because especially right now, of, of all times in our country, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. So I'm old enough to know that, that it is certainly the most polarized that this country has ever been. I would agree. And, and, and people on the left and the right are unable to sit down and be civil with each other. Yes. And and so to rethink the conversation, in a way it's really the hashtag let's start talking is almost as important because the idea is that we, we want to draw attention or raise awareness or begin um, an active or take an active role in getting people to engage in conversation around around these topics, whether it's mental health, uh, again, education, uh, sexuality, um, medicine, uh, you know, pick a topic. Right. Um, and so it's, it's hard because there's only two of us right now. We're, it's starting to grow. Finally, uh, we built the website. We've done, um, a couple of programs. We're getting involved with let's reimagine, mm -hmm. which is an end of, uh, which looks at end of life. Uh, Joanna is running a program for people who've lost loved ones to suicide as part of this end of life event that's happening in New York. Uh, with, with it's reimagine NYC. You can look that up. Okay. Um, and and so, what's the uh, what's the website for the for the uh the rethinktheconversation.org. Okay. I don't know. I, I can't speak for anybody else on the planet, although I try to all the time. But um, <laughs> me too. I, I I find I'm compelled to um to say something when when something needs to be said and to and to participate. Uh, in ways that there's a Jewish expression called tikkun olam, right? It's just healing the world. And my parents, it's, I guess I got it from my parents, but it's important to me to be an active participant as much as I can in, in the world. And uh, we think the conversation gives me a, a place to, to do that. Um, absolutely. absolutely. And, uh, well, listen, uh, I commend you and much respect. Yeah, All seriously. of us here have much respect. Um, I, I think the word that, that, that sticks out the most, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, is engagement. Uh, we recently spoke to Spencer Garrett also and had a good conversation about engagement. I think that's the problem nowadays is that not enough people are talking, not enough people are engaged in the conversation. And if they would be, they would realize we have a lot more in common than we do apart and we could really start to make some movement there. So can, I, I really applaud you for the work that you're doing. Um, I think it's important. I, th I think uh, there's such a stigma on mental health right now in this country and, and so many of the other topics you brought up. So um, I can't express enough how much respect we have for you. And oh, thank you. best of luck and success with that, honestly. Thanks. I mean, if you go to my Facebook page, um, my personal Facebook page, um, there's a little fundraiser. So if, if people are interested and they want to go to Jeffrey Paul Cantor on Facebook, okay. um, you can you can donate to Rethink the Conversation for my birthday, which is tomorrow. Oh. So by the time you're hearing this, my birthday was October 30th. Is that is fantastic. So, well, happy birthday. Uh, yeah, be seriously. I'm going to tell you happy birthday. Oh. You, you, you officially are the second. My daughter oh. was the first. Oh, oh uh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll fall. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, so, what's coming up? What do you got in the future? Where, where can people find you coming up next? So, um, I'm doing. I'm in the middle of a, the last week of a play called My Parsifal Conductor, okay. which is um, looking at Wagner, Richard Wagner, 
and his wife Cosima at the end of her life and their relationship with the Jewish conductor Hermann Levy. And the Wagners were known to be virulent anti-Semites. And um, to be doing this play right now is, is the irony is not lost on me at all. Um, but I play this Jewish man who is working these two anti-Semitic mm. uh, one aren't anti-Semitic artists and his wife and um, and how that played out talk about civility and, and trying to figure stuff out being on the receiving end um, so that we close on Saturday okay uh, I'm going to be working with uh, the 52nd Street Project which uh, takes arts to kids in public schools in New York, specifically the Hell's Kitchen area, 52nd Street. Awesome. So I actually start that tomorrow. Um, it's my first meeting with them. Um, I'm, I'm uh, working on a, a couple of other projects, uh, one about sensitivity in the workplace. <laughs> um, uh, Good topic. Because uh, that's an important thing now, too. It and, is. And then hopefully Dead Double will start up in the not-too-distant future. Awesome. Uh, there's one other creative project that I can't talk about um, that uh, I'm waiting to hear about when we're going to start work on that. Awesome. Um, well, that sounds like an opening to have you back on, Jeffrey. Yes. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly keep you posted. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've, been, I've been fortunate, knock on wood, I've been, I've been a pretty busy actor, which is... Uh, you know, makes me extremely happy. Well, and uh, listen, much continued success. Like, like I said, Thank we're you. big fans, and we could not be more happy that you came on and talked to us today. Uh, it's an honor. Thank you very much. Uh, no, our honor completely. And open invite, man. Now, seriously, whenever you can come back and talk about the other project, or if you want to come in and talk about the, the work that you're doing in the communities, in the schools yeah, and stuff. Yeah, seriously. That would be great. Yeah, man, anytime that, anything we can do to help you know, push along anything you want to talk about and get the word out there and get some engagement oh, going. Open invite, man. Thank you very much. So I, I guess I'm supposed to plug right my so I'm I'm Mr. G Cantor on Instagram. There you, there you go. go. I'm Jeff Cantor on Twitter, and I'm going to be Jeff with a G, G E O F Cantor yeah. on Twitter. Um, I spell my name with a G. Okay. And at some point, uh, I might uh, I'll call you guys and let you know. I'm going to be doing a Reddit AMA. Awesome. There you go. Um, I think. Uh, it's not next week, the week after. Awesome. Before, thanks, before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, just let us know. Seriously. I will. I will. You'll be the. You'll be some of the first people I call. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, listen, man. Have a great rest of the day. Like Thank I said, you we too. appreciate thanks you. Thanks for having me on. I, I hope I didn't ramble too much. No. No. We, no you were informative. And, and our, our listeners, I can tell you right now, we're extremely excited when we announced that you were going to be on yeah, the show. So seriously. They're looking forward to it. So we're really excited, man. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and uh, I promise to get back in touch as other things progress. All right. Awesome. Sounds good, man. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right. See you ya. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Time for the forever guest. Hello? Hi, it's Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Woo! All right. Uh, we hope you've been drinking because we have. <laughs> oh, yes. We've had margaritas. We're having a good time on our Halloween special. Yes, indeed. How have you been? I'm good. Uh, sadly, no drinking here. Oh. Only 1 p.m. So. Oh, that's yeah. true. Well, it's that's only, uh, true. It's only three years. <laughs> it's, only three, uh, it's five o'clock somewhere, yeah. Rebecca. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh. So listen, thank you so much. Obviously, uh, we, you know, we were talking about this earlier. We, we, you seem to be our our guest on our milestone shows. Which was really awesome. Yeah. You were on our big 30th episode. This is the 40th episode and our Halloween special. Yeah. So you like you're so, just like 
Yeah. To make sure your your calendar is clear for 50. For that's, sure. right. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Ten, ten weeks from now, you're going to have to be back on. I mean, the big 50th okay. show. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so you've been enjoying Halloween, clearly. Anybody follows you on social media, you have been having a good time. Oh, yeah. I have. I have. Yeah? How was Universal? Oh, it was amazing. Oh. I would say I recommend it, but it's almost over. But I think they have maybe one more weekend next weekend or something. Um. So yeah, it was, it was incredible. The mazes are so well done. Um, scares are always good. They just do a really good job. So are are you are you like the person who camps up and watches scary movies on Halloween or like what, what what's your Halloween tradition? Um, so we kind of did the party thing this past weekend. We went to like three different Halloween parties. Awesome. Um, which is during the week, it's kind of hard. My husband's job. Um, it's kind of tough to go out. Party on a Wednesday night because he's got to go to work tomorrow. Right. Sure. Uh, so usually, if it's during the week, we kind of he comes home. We're gonna actually we were supposed to carve our pumpkin last night, but some stuff happened and we didn't get to. So we're gonna carve our pumpkin. We'll probably watch we kind of lay low, eat some candy. There you go. Um, then we had to buy ourselves because you know can't go trick or treating anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much the yeah, same plans I have. Yeah, that's the same situation. <laughs> we're supposed to do carving the pumpkin last night, and I had to put it off to the night. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of questions come out of all that. What what is your go to Halloween candy, and what are you carving your pumpkin as? Right. I don't actually know what we're gonna carve it as yet. We have mm. uh, those books, you know, that you make the designs. So yeah. We pick the design, but we haven't picked anything yet, so I'm not really sure yet. But I'll definitely post once we pick something. It's kind of a smaller pumpkin, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, you can do the tiny face. That's true. Where it's like the little a little tiny face where it's a lot smaller. Yeah. Well, see, I like to do the faces. We always, I always pick something like hard. Oh, oh. <laughs> challenge yourself. Challenge yes. yourself. Challenge. Do you have the whole like pumpkin carving kit too? Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. And are you going to use all of the glorious innards to do some sort of a? Is the husband going to cook? Uh, I don't. We don't used to really do anything with the seeds. Mm. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so what's your go-to candy then? What, what? Um, I, well, we have several. We have like Reese's, which I love. Oh, um, yeah. We have Hershey's with the almonds, which are really good. <laughs> oh, good. Cat, so I'm not sure. Maybe I'm a really big pig. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sensing a chocolate theme there, though. Yeah, like everything right. involved yeah. chocolate. So. Chocolate. I love chocolate, so that's yesterday to buy some because I knew I was going to eat too much of it. But I like both. I like to have like uh, some chocolate and then I need something fruity. I need like some Twizzlers, some Jolly Ranchers. Mm. I like, girl, Ooh, I like it all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. chewy. I like all of the chewy candy. Like yeah. anything that's chewy. I, that, yeah. I, that's my go-to. The Laffy Taffy caramels, like just the um, Mary Jane <laughs> peanut butter things. Just yeah. anything chewy, that's my go-to. Reese's Pumpkins. Yeah, Reese's yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Reese's. Yeah. Reese's. I, got, I got some Halloween-themed cupcakes in the cupboard there. So uh, those are oh. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Kit Kats. I'm crazy about Kit Kats. <laughs> crazy. That sounds like a commercial. I'm crazy about Kit Kats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's oh yes yeah. yes um costumes what's your what do you do you change it up every year do you have a go-to costume that you like or what? uh i change it up every year i'm not really sure what i'm gonna do this year but i'm gonna 
Okay, and now I'm old, right? Because they don't have any idea who I am. So I mean, like, yeah. yeah. them back to the future trilogy. Uh, so what about the skateboard? Did you carry a skateboard around? No. Aww. <laughs> I guess I should have. I should have done. I don't have a skateboard, so I would have had to make something. Um, but then I was like, but I have to carry it around. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's all a process. process. Exactly. Like, uh, I look forward to the picture. I'm sure it's going to be epic. It's yeah. going to be awesome. I was loving all the pictures of, of you and the husband at all the different places. I mean, yeah, yeah, he should be scared. You looked a little violent in a lot of the pictures. Uh, I was a little worried for his safety, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he should be. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, okay, so you know what time it is. It's time for our top five all-time favorites. Uh, and it's horror movies or and or scare movies. Are you prepared? I am. I appreciate the heads up. <laughs> yeah, we got you, we got of course, you. we got you. All right. Do you want to go first or do you want to go last? I'll go last. She'll go last. All right. So I guess we'll start like we always do with our uh, ladies. Tavia? Okay. <laughs> so uh, I picked ones that, I, okay, I, I like horror movies, but I also kind of hate them at the same time. So that doesn't necessarily mean that I enjoyed them. It just means that I think they're really good. So it's a love-hate relationship. It is. Right? Okay. Because they affect me for like two months after I watch it. <laughs> I see. Um, so one of them is Train to Busan. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that. It's a Korean movie, actually, but it's really good. It's on Netflix. It's a Korean um, zombie movie. Actually. The other one is Paranormal Activity, their first one. The, first. the other ones are garbage. <laughs> yeah, the very But the first, first one. one was really good. <laughs> Um, the Conjuring, because it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, those are good. I just <laughs> recently picked them up and watched them, and, and I was like, wow, this is yeah. not bad. This is not Conjuring, I was scared for a while for that. Um, a Quiet Place, because I just thought that one was good, really, right? really good. And Sixth Sense, because that was probably M. Night Shyamalan's best movie ever. Ever. Uh, you haven't seen Split yet. Yeah. Oh, I haven't, but I need to watch that. Oh, yeah, that's so, why where I see her on the phone. You'll rethink that statement when you see Split. Yeah. <laughs> well, from the nine or two thousand. Okay. I don't know. It's it's a good movie. <laughs> and sip margarita here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily. <laughs> okay, so like four out of my five are classics, and then there's like one current one. Oh. So, you're 19. Like, define classic. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. From your time. Oh. oh, oh. Right. So, what, 1930s Nosferatu? <laughs> <laughs> the original Frankenstein? Uh, oh, not, not that classic. Okay. So Is there parental got, abuse? Parental abuse. Okay. So I've got it, the original it, because I haven't seen the new it. Yet. Oh, the oh, original. I need to see the new one. Yes. Yeah, I need yes. to see the new one. And then I've got Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the shining. Yes. The shining. Yeah, quiet that movie was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I thought about putting it on mine. Well, I got a nightmare on Elm Street because I'm a huge Freddy Krueger fan. Uh Jeepers Creepers. Oh, Jeepers really? Creepers, yeah. Good one. Um Strangers. Strangers, that's a good one. Oh yeah. Uh, I heard they're making a sequel to that, so hopefully that was very good. Oh, did they? Very good. Oh, I need to watch it. Oh, <laughs> wow, oh, you can tell everyone's telling you. Yeah. I know. Oh, slacker. <laughs> um, it slash the new it because they're both really good. They are. Yeah, I really enjoy the original. But though. Tim Curry's Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just yeah. a place in all of our hearts. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And I really enjoy Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah. Wow. I really like that one. A versus. Right. Yeah. Wow. Sound man? Sure. Uh, I went with uh, Carrie. Carrie. Oh, oh Carrie. Yeah. yeah. These are these are all scary. These are all ones that had some some element or something. Oh my god! Yeah, really I, I'm, Rebecca, you would make an epic carry. Oh, really she would. You, would. you really would. That would be awesome. All right, jot that down for next year. <laughs> I know. I said it was blood. Yes, that would be this so is, good. The prom dress and everything. All right. The original and the remake of Evil Dead. Oh yeah, just Evil because Dead. just like sound wise, I'm sorry, sound sure. I always go with sound. Yeah, I um, liked the remake. I did. The remake a lot was of amazing. people got iffy about it, but I liked it. Yeah. So. But just right. the original, like even though it's low budget, there's scenes in there where there is nothing on the soundtrack. There is not one bit of music, not one note, and becomes eerie and becomes yeah. real horrifying. Yeah, it's freaking creepy. It is. Um, The Exorcist. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. yeah. The original and even the Tom Savini remake, which is a beautiful piece. Mm hmm. And uh, Alien. Alien. Oh, oh, yeah. um, I want to say fuck David from Alien Covenant, though. Just <laughs> <laughs> me and my friends always say it's really always fuck David. Wow. Okay. If you right. watch Alien Covenant, you'll understand why you say fuck David. And right. you, you brought up Night of the Living Dead. That makes me want to mention my honorable mention for like a not-so-scary movie, but still one of my favorites is Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Way, Shaun of the Dead. It's not a horror movie. It, no, it's a horror movie, and it has some really powerful implications. Okay, so I add that to my list. Okay, <laughs> That's your list. All right, Jason. Jason. All right, Jason. Uh, Jason. <laughs> Jason. Okay, counting down from five. Um, I put uh, Saw the Saw franchise. I just put the whole franchise. The Saw okay. Franchise. Saw. Franchise. Okay. People may disagree with this, but Darren Aronofsky, uh, when he made it, said Requiem for a Dream is a horror movie, and I would categorize. I, th- I, I I would give it that. I would give it that because I mean, he gets scared living. So Requiem for a Dream. Okay. Requiem for a Dream. The original Halloween. Yeah, of course, I haven't seen the new one yet, so. Okay. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, the Friday thir- uh, some of the Friday 13 franchises. Yeah, there's, not, like, there's yeah. hits there's, that are like, well, these are really, really good, and then, mm-hmm. you know, Even the cheesy, one of the cheesy ones is pretty good, the one with the uh, uh, Park Lincoln or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was uh, And it's a, t- it's a toss-up between the Shiny and the Exorcist for number one. Yep, oh, yep, agreed. All right, so, well, yeah, of course, I mean, I, I've got The Shining, obviously, scared the shit out of me when I was oh. a kid. Those two girls in the hallway, just I still get terrified. And just how that. creepy like, Jack Nicholson was, just yeah. he, just his look and the intensity yeah, in his just eyes. That frozen Jack at the at the back end yeah, of it, I'm like, scared the shit out of you. Yeah, that's like, like, terrifying. And he's just like right there. Yeah. And then of course the Exorcist, because you know again Linda Blair spinning around the head and like you know you're and like the creepy spider walk. Yeah, yeah. that was added oh, in later. Oh man, that spider yeah. walk was. Yeah. 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 Um, the Amityville Horror. The original oh, Amityville Horror, scary shit. Um, even Ron Reynolds, I liked the, the remake they did. I didn't think it was so bad. Yeah, uh, it, um, the new one. I thought it was just epic. The new it was like fantastic. I uh, really enjoyed it. 
And then the thing. Oh, oh yeah. I was like a little freaked out by the thing. So um, that's my and honorable mention. I don't know how scary or terrifying, but since we're gonna the Rocky Horror Picture Show oh, <laughs> I mean, with Tim Curry. Come on, we were talking about Tim. I mean, that's you, can you do Halloween without the Rocky Horror Picture? Show? No, yeah, no, you, you legally can't. I don't think <laughs> you legally can't. There's a law in Mississippi that says you have to. Have somewhere, some somewhere there has to be a Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's right. That's right. Maybe that that'll be later on. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> All right, Rebecca, we're ready. What you got? All right. Well, I guess the best. Some creepy horror movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah. What was that like? Bastard, right? Uh, that was the last one. I well, I, I worked on um, a horror movie this summer, um, but it hasn't come out yet, so I can't really say too much about Ooh. it. Yet, but, oh, I have to keep uh, an eye out for that. That's right. Sounds like a fiftieth yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the last one actually that came out was Bastard. The first one I worked on uh, was called House Hunting, and we did that in. Uh, Virginia, and um, that was my first kind of introduction to uh, doing, you know, horror film and having a lead role, and it was an amazing experience. And then that year, I did two more uh, creature and then season of witch. So that was kind of, um, yeah, my introduction to horror movies, and they have, they're a lot of fun. There are a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of intense emotions all the time. Yeah, I bet. Um, but yeah, they're a lot of fun, and it's fun just to kind of throw yourself in and see what happens. And I, as you can see, kind of from my list, I like um, I love all horror movies, but I really like the psychological yeah, um, yeah. aspect of them. And I, it's been fun that I've kind of done all of the genres now, or not all of them, but most of them. Like I've done a psychological, I've done a monster movie, the bastard was a slasher. Yeah. Um, and so I've kind of gotten to do a lot of the different ones, which has been fun. Awesome. Yeah. 
So okay, so victim or or terrorizer? What, what which do you prefer playing? Uh, well, so far in them all, I've been a victim. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to be the but but bastard. I I, I mean, I guess if you haven't seen it, then I kind of giving it away. But um, I finally got to like be live and not die. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Joined you? Are you all side? Is that you know, Halloween prop? We heard it. We heard a kitty. <laughs> I know, and that's my actual cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Um, I mean, why? Why would there not be a cat here for Halloween, exactly. right? Yeah, who's not? She's not a black cat. Um, should be because she's kind of evil. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of evil. Let me guess. Wait. She like looked at me when I said that. <laughs> Let me guess. In the middle of the night, waits in the hallway for you to walk by, and it goes attacking, and then runs off. Yeah, she does. She's actually really bad on the phone. Like she does this thing whenever I'm on the phone. Oh. Them, when you need them for their attention, they're like, oh, I don't give a crap about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need them to like, catch a bug at your house. Super excited about that, and we're gonna have you back on on the fiftieth. We're not kidding now. You're like our milestone forever guest. So that's awesome. Well, hopefully by then I'll have more things I can talk about that are new. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's always so fun. You're always so fun. That's like you know. And uh, the, by the way, our listeners love you. Every time we announce we're gonna have the forever guest on the show, they they, they we get so much interaction. We really see we the say, spike just like show. jump up and yeah. Yeah. So we're we could not be um, more happy that you keep coming on the show. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. You know, like the the fans and everyone, they're people are amazing. So I really appreciate. They re- they really are. They really are. And your fan base is amazing. Yeah. Um. I mean those those are those are genuine people, man. They they yeah, like yeah. you a lot. I can yeah. I can tell you that. So. I don't know why, but <laughs> because you're wonderful and you're exactly. talented and you're fun. Come on, you have your own fan pages. That's right. <laughs> you have your own fan pages. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> 
Um, She's like, I don't know, but maybe. Right, like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we're going to let you go so yeah. your cat doesn't kill you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. because. Yeah. Now I'm scratching the couch. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So, uh, enjoy carving the pumpkin, and please yeah. post the pictures. We're dying to see what you carved yeah. tonight. And, uh, and, and of course, the picture, and see Marty. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, tell the husband I'm we said hello. Yeah. Um, hello. And, uh, yeah, and we'll be in touch soon, because, you know, we can't wait yeah. to have you back. Thanks so much for having me of on course. this Halloween episode. Yes, yeah. you're welcome. Thank you. Have an awesome day. You too, guys. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, she's just awesome. She like, really is. Seriously. She's just fun. I mean, yeah. she's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, is the, how is it that I was the Margarita's last one to really get a margarita good. and the first one to finish mine? <laughs> all right, yeah, we're behind, guys. All right, all right. All right. Yeah, there we go. We're first, I was second. I'm almost there. I'm feeling it. That was strong. <laughs> I okay, yeah, that was Third. Strong. Now we got away from me a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I can tell. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Oh, my God. So I gave it to you. So the, best, the best <laughs> possible person to give the lethal one to. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be a really Really fun uh, box office prediction. Oh yeah! During the whole top five, after I got done, I was trying to put together my box office predictions because I forgot, and it was hard. It was really, it hard. Was really hard. I mean, they said self help. Hey, look, man, that suit is already showing way too much of how hard it is, man. Uh, I don't know, but you did an awesome job. Yeah, you. you you got them. Okay, I'm almost there. You're almost there. Yeah. Ser seriously though. Rebecca, huge shout out to you. Yeah, um, you are an absolute gem, and the yeah. listeners really do love you. And we love having you on the show every time. And man, we couldn't have a better forever guest. Seriously, you know she no. is just yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I guess it is time for box office prediction. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, oh no, it's not uh, the word. Oh, sound man got mad. He said my segment, damn it, because I forgot the word of the day. Oh shit, look at that. Woo creepy. Yeah. Oh, you got like stuff in there. Like, yeah, I got my stuff in there. There's no. Problem. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> he goes in my, my bag. See, I'm feeling a little bit because normally I'd have been like, "What the fuck, bro? Watch on the desk, <laughs> man, <laughs> bro." <laughs> But I'm alright. I'm okay. All so, right. for our listeners, because this is only viewable, uh, I brought in a mock cauldron, which is our word of the day. Cauldron. cauldron. Yes. Cauldron. yes. Cauldron. 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 You say cauldron, I'll say cauldron. <laughs> Large metal pot with a lid and handle used for cooking over an open fire. Mm. Usually uh, cast iron. Uh, more associated with witches, but actually an awesome cooking utensil. Awesome. If you have a real cauldron to go out on a campfire cooking, oh man. Whatever fish you caught earlier that day, I make a nice stew. Hey, children. Hey, children. children. Oh my what god. That's <laughs> Hey, Gabbard, just because I dress all in black and have the goth makeup doesn't mean I'm black, right, kids. Like most of us are all in black. You know you're cooking yeah. goth. Oh, my God. Mother's going on. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, oh, man. man. Hey, people margaritas again. <laughs> well, really? Because I was just about to ask for another. No? Oh, Woo! Yeah. So, anyway. Jason. 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 What was that? I must ask. Haunted. Haunted. You have to speak I into the mic. Like, what sure the fuck it. was that? It sounded like a kid in Chris's cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it sounded like. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Timmy, do you have a song for the occasion? I don't. Damn. All right, well, new movies coming out. What? Dad, cook it? Oh, my God. Bohemian Rhapsody is finally coming out. Yes. I cannot wait to see it. I see it on the No, anybody? No? All right. Just got a deuce, got a deuce. Yes, thank you. The Nutcracker is also coming out, which I think this is a weird release date. What the hell? Why not release it in December? Well, you can't. Like, if you want a Christmas movie to succeed, you got to release it early at the beginning of Christmas season. But like November. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a November release, but like yeah. should be later November yeah, release. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. the Grinch is coming out the sixteenth, I think. So right, that makes more sense. But yeah, the beginning of it the does. month, like the beginning of the month, it, it, it's like when they release, you know, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer in May now. Like, kidding, but I mean, it's so early now. It's yeah. like by the time it's over, done before Christmas is exactly. even thought about. Like, exactly. well, so the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer want... uh, movie about what he does in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> John Favreau will direct. He's in his live action uh, things oh now. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But no, like, if you want Simba. a musical album to work, like a Christmas album, yeah. you have to release it early for it to build up enough hype sure, and up on the train yeah. well, look, to we... get out there on the release ticket. We all know. Well, good thing I didn't have that mic up. I turned that mic down. It's telemarketer. <laughs> Thank you, telemarketer. <laughs> We're good. Thank you. Hey, you just won a free cruise. It's your trick, trick or treat. We should put them on and like just totally bust them. Yeah, if you get a phone call from telemarketer, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just treat it like a phone sex line. Hey, what are you wearing? Oh, so anyway. Whoa, whoa, what's in the cauldron? What? Hey, look, it's like they called you. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, really? back, to, back to, please, back to, back to, back to, back to, back to, back to Tyler Perry's Nobody a Fool, Tyler Perry coming out with another movie. Yeah, yep. I mean, that's pretty awesome. It uh, is. That's it, it for all that's out this week. Well, but, just a quick note on that, though, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious why they're releasing when they're releasing is yeah. because they're they're totally going all out for the Oscars. Oh, yeah. And you got to be before the end of the exactly. year to qualify mm-hmm. for the Oscars, and they're going to make yeah. a, a no, hard John, run. Does the Alan John movie come out in, in uh, December? I think it comes I think, next year. Yeah. Oh, the next John year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the dude Darren from Yeah. Uh, Edgerton there. Oh, yeah. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Terry Gilliam. Excited for I think I guess. Oh, Terry Gilliam? No, Terry Gilliam, I think. Oh. I thought Terry Gilliam's going to be driving. Oh, my God. Whoa. It's going to be really trippy. First of all, kudos to these guys. Yeah. Because Elton John and freaking Freddie Mercury, these guys are doing their own singing. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to try to tackle Freddie Mercury and Elton John doing my own singing, but I mean, kudos to them for giving it. I mean, I'm looking looking here on Bohemian Rhapsody, and the uh, reviews are awesome. Well, the meta score is low, but the star rate, when I heard it wasn't. Um, the the lead guy here uh, met, who played Freddie. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't his fault. He played a perfect pitch. Oh yeah. Right, it was right, more yeah. of like kind of writer director kind yeah, of. Like, yeah. Sit, well, remember they had the big, they had the big uh, controversy going on with Brian Singer, who was the director, and then he was fired because he didn't show up, yeah. and then he was trying to claim it was a family issue, and he wanted to come back. Right. They didn't really want him to come back, so they hired another director. But then they did go. bring him back, yeah. and now he's going to get a director credit. But I, I mean, it was a huge. I can't. I can only imagine when you're trying to do a, a film of that scope, and you're doing it about a real person, and the real person was controversial right. enough to be begin with, yeah. then you got all that shit going on behind yeah, the scenes. I mean, it's going to affect some of it. Well, I mean, I mean that's how Mario Brothers failed. The re- reason we don't have 
great video game movies is because when Mario Brothers came out, it was a husband and wife team directing the same husband and wife from Max Headroom. Yeah. They decided to get they got the whole movie and rights to do Mario Brothers. Then they sat there and had a divorce in the middle of starting production mm. of Mario Brothers. That's why. So every day there's a new script. Every day is a new thing. They're both fighting each other. That's why the production value is so low. Oh yeah. But don't fuck with James Bond or the Mario Brothers. Okay? No, don't don't mess with video game movies. <laughs> well, maybe the new awesome the guy. new Witcher series that'll come will kind of bring a new Country life Cabal. to. Yeah, they they released footage of that. Did they? Really? They, the first behind the scenes footage and picture of him in in dressed out and yeah. That looked pretty, pretty yeah, epic. I can only have high hopes. Jesus. Don't cry again. Take me sing! Sing! So anyway, movies that are out this week. Uh, <laughs> a Star is Born, Venom, Bad Times at El Royale. Uh, first Man, Goosebumps, Haunted House, and Halloween. Yeah, Halloween is still I think we all can figure out what number one is going to be. I think, I think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody would be number one. That's the one that's coming out. Again, I think it's going to be... You think it's going to take down Halloween? Because uh, yeah, Halloween's I mean, been having a really nice has, week. It's, it's been, been doing great it's been, numbers. It has. It has. I, but I think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, number one, at 40 to 50 million. Well, Halloween. Halloween will be over by that point, yeah. so I was like, eh. Hey, we're still counting right. this week, though. Remember, yeah, they're still yeah. getting that every movie sale during this might week. Might tonight, yeah, freaking. But Halloween number two, I think, with around 20 to 25 mil. The Nutcracker with around 20 mil. Uh, Tyler Perry's Nobody in Fool for number four for around 10 to 15 mil. And A Star is Born for the fifth spot with around 7 to 10 mil. Man, A Star is Born. Yeah. That's still doing really, really it's it's solid so in there. It's so great. I can't stop listening to the soundtrack. I know. Like, it, it, I know someone else who picked though. up the soundtrack could stop listening to it. Like, it was funny, though. <laughs> My friend sent me a clip of Lady Gaga and, and like about 10 different interviews. She goes, you know, you could be in a room with 99 people and none of them will believe you, but one person will, and it'll make all the difference. And she's talking about Bradley Cooper, but she uses that same metaphor in <laughs> about 10 different interviews. And when you see him back to back, you're like, okay. Maybe you take a different uh, way. Yeah, yeah. Saying it. We get it. Bradley Cooper believed in you, right? Move on. Like, <laughs> this this segment has been brought to you by T uh, Tavia Marinovich's famous margaritas. Yes. yes. That is right. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tavia Marinovich. Well, apparently make things weird. Yeah. <laughs> so so listen, though. fantastic. Okay. Wait. We, okay. you, let's just say, though. Let's just say. Everybody loves the logo. Yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. We gave you a huge yeah. shout out on the, on the show last week. Yeah. Spencer Garrett loves it. Yeah. We got like this really, he, he's a big Ant fan, apparently. Oh, yeah. 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 But um, we told him we kind of broke down the history of what it was and how we just came to you and said, this is what we want, everything. And so huge kudos to you. I mean, she I makes awesome margaritas. She makes kick ass logos. She sings little ditties. I mean, you're pretty damn awesome, Tavia. I make things. She makes things. I make Chris smile with songs. I make logos. I make margaritas. <laughs> it's all great. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And she's a writer. And she's, and she's a writer. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Stay tuned for Future. that. Yeah. First tease. First tease. But anyway, let's transition <laughs> into the music side. Transmission into transmission. It won't start. It won't turn over. Take two. Stop it. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Come on, that was pretty good. You remember when Dana Carvey used to do Catherine Hepburn trying to start the car? No more chart toppers. 
And everything's the same this week. Hot 100, Room 5. Cardi B, Girls Like You, six, the sixth week on... He's trying to trudge through, trying to power through, oh and he's going to slam through. And the top 200 albums of Star is Born for the third week in a row. That's yes! Pretty, that's pretty awesome for uh, the albums. So. Bradley Cooper. Seriously. Just come on the show, Bradley Cooper. We want Bradley Cooper. Or come to lunch. I got it. I mean, <laughs> he has got his business card, and he will handle you at the Callisters, man. I mean, I just have a couple of limitless questions. That's it. You want the big nasty spud? I got you. I got you. Bro. If you guys have noticed, I have a beef with that, though, because, like, beef, get it? The big nasty is getting smaller every year. It's not like it was. It was huge. It's the not-so-big nasty. It's not-so-big not so nasty. Exactly. It, ain't no, it ain't so nasty no more. I'm all saying. Oh all right. All right. <laughs> so make sure to follow us on all social media, uh, websites, and everything like what? that. Yes. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, our website, crazyantfilm.com. Uh, Twitter, Crazy Ant Film, Instagram, Crazy underscore Ant underscore Films, and Facebook, Crazy Ant, the Crazy Ant Film Company. I'm on Reddit, Crazy Ant Films, and on YouTube, what, Crazy Ant Films. Reddit? Right yeah, we are. We are everywhere. Woo! We should say, though, this is our big Halloween special. And but that means also we are less than a week away, and it is very important. Get yeah. serious back for a minute. Yeah. Go vote. Go vote. Yes. Go vote. Yes. Look up if you're not going to be in town, you can still vote. If y'all follow <coughs> us, you know I went and voted. We're going to be out of town, Go but now. you can Let's still vote. Picture of this absentee, absentee sticker. That's right, absentee ballot. You can still vote. Don't use that as an excuse. Yeah. Get your ass out there Seriously. and vote and stop complaining. Seriously, you can't complain if you don't vote. Yeah, uh, and also. Save Scorpion, Scorpion. <laughs> because damn it, let's bring Scorpion back. Yeah, also, America 2.0, yes, Reinventing awesome. Tomorrow. Yes. Go follow that podcast. Yes. It's the hottest podcast in America. We don't even need to tell you where to find it because it's everywhere. Yes, you can um, like this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Like and subscribe. Leave a comment. Give us five stars. All that. And one more thing. Halloween!